What was that? Oh, sorry. It's not like you were blowing your nose. <laughs> Oh, I got his ass now. My bottle got stretched a little bit. You have to be fast in the track. I'm, a, I'm about to light this shit up. Show 56 with Shanae's Reed today. Three times world champion. And she won a time trial world championships as well. Retired BMXer, two-time Olympian. She was one of the uh, <clears throat> all-time elite women's racers. So be cool to talk to her about her career. I would consider one of the OGs of the Supercross world. Yes, like the first, like, yeah, OG all-timer. Yeah, she was there from the beginning, raced Beijing, then still trucked along, still raced until London. Yeah, she's one of the OGs. She had a few good starts on her Pro Gate Europe. Winning starts in the Great Gate. Sinead's had a great gate. So get your Pro Gate Europe, people. I don't know why during this self-isolation, social distancing, you haven't got your own Pro Gate, individual one. You're just... You're, you're fucking up if you don't have one, quite frankly. You're, re so. you're really just wasting I know. Your time I don't know. Why, I don't even know why you're racing anymore if you don't have a pro game yeah. up in your garage. You, you, you might as well just sell your bikes. At might this point, you just might just, as well. Just stop. Just stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't even know she had a uh, time trial world champion. Well, you know what? Motorsheets.com, you can, you can get all your timing systems, scoring systems, whatever you need. They got everything you need to make it easy. So uh, head over to Motorsheets.com, guys. So, because I knew she won, I knew she won Victoria and China world championships and i thought she had one more and i couldn't remember and then she did so she has three and then i think she okay. won the time trial in copenhagen in 2011 okay. i think but i know she has one time trial world championship okay she how's, was fast plain and simple how's it going james um i'm all right <laughs> i'm gonna i'm tired <laughs> Yeah, so if anybody that cares to know, we're doing this in the morning. We haven't done this in the morning for a no. while. We're still having our coffees right now. We're still waking up. I'm not awake. So. We're normally like afternoon show people and have an afternoon coffee with the show, not the morning coffee. So The afternoon with the show is is quite enjoyable. Like you just had lunch. You kind of just hanging out and you just have a nice afternoon coffee with the show and it's really relaxing. But when you do these, when we do Europeans, we got to do it in the morning. Yeah. Are you shitting me? Yeah, fuck these Europeans. And they, we got to do it in the morning. I know. Unbelievable. You know what? Let's just think back, though. Nothing will ever top the one time we had to do it at 6 a.m. That, no. We, we got up at 6 a.m. <laughs> like, people, okay, we'll give you five seconds to guess before we tell you. Who do you think we got up? Out of all the podcasts we've done, we got up for someone at 6 a.m. because that's the only time he or she could do it. Who do you think it was? Yeah. Take a guess. Tick. That was that was unbelievable. I got really lucky because I was jet lagged, so I was okay. Yeah, it was Mariana. Yeah, because the only time only time she could do it, we're not gonna we're not gonna not have Mariana on the show because of time. So we just we just we did it, then we went for brunch after. <laughs> it was actually quite an enjoyable morning. 
It was fine after that. I was yeah. just waking up to start. It was like, okay. That was a bit of a rough one, yeah. Yeah, it was. So, um, yeah. How's quarantine been? What you been up to? Well, you know, same old. Hitting, ball, hitting golf balls, playing a bit of golf, and busy with school now too, actually. Taking four classes, working towards my business administration degree now. Um, nice. So, oh, I have two rants. We'll start with this rant for school. So I don't understand, like when it comes to math classes, because I'm in accounting, microeconomics, and uh, business stats, which are all math classes. So I was doing my accounting homework. Just doing my accounting homework. And you go yeah. through the notes, you go through the teacher's lecture, and then you get the equations, and then you do you um, see the example. You're like, oh, you know, fair enough. That's not that hard. Like, it's pretty straightforward. <laughs> you get the homework. You get the homework. It's completely fucking different. Like, why? <laughs> why do math teachers do this? I don't understand. It's the same thing at every level. Like, you get the notes, you do the practice stuff. You're like, oh, this isn't that hard. Like, I think I get it. You get the homework, and you're like, I don't even know what to do. Honestly, they need to shut that down. No, seriously. Shut it down. That's math, brutal. <laughs> math teachers of all levels do this, and I don't understand. It's like, I don't have a problem with doing more complex questions. I don't have a problem with that. Just show us how to do it. Honestly, I swear to God, it happens on tests all the time. You think it's you got it all figured out. You're like, you're going into it. I got this all figured out. And all of a sudden, they throw some crazy-ass question at you. You're like... Cool. I'm back to ground zero. I have no clue what I'm doing. You're just dead in the water. You start trying to see if shit adds up and you start trying to work backwards and it just doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> you get an answer. It's none of the above. It's like, oh, sweet. But it's really frustrating when you do everything and then it's just completely different. I don't know if teachers are try really trying to just challenge you, but how are you supposed to be challenged when you don't even know how to do it? At least show us how to fucking do it. Really, it should be done the opposite way. You got to learn the hard stuff and then go backwards. You know, it's like training. You don't train half-assed to go to a hard race. You train hard to go to that hard race. It's like, no, yeah, BMX is just a box sprint. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, here's a gate. <laughs> it's like, Figure no. It, <laughs> it doesn't work like that. No, it's crap. So that's, that's really frustrating. But other than that, you know, I'm just trucking along. They need to shut that down. That's I know. brutal. They need, to, they need to lock it up. Until, yeah, Are you shitting me? Yeah, so I phoned Sean Gain because he's already taken accounting and he helped me and I ended up getting the answers, but it was, yeah. That's good. He's a smart guy. He, yeah, he, he is. Cool he's really, he is really smart. So um, I was going to say, it wasn't in our show here, but you were watching Netflix for a while. Have, did you watch The Last Dance with Michael Jordan? I haven't watched it yet, but everyone's been posting about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to suggest anybody out here that they need to watch it. Uh, he is the greatest athlete of all time, in my opinion now, or at least greatest team athlete. It's incredible. I guess I haven't watched it just cause I'm not like a huge basketball fan or anything, but I guess you don't have to be a basketball fan to watch it, I guess. Yeah. Like I, and like, I'm not like, I watch basketball. I'm not a huge fan. I care about the top guys just cause I'm fans of them. And I know who Michael Jordan was. Course, and I knew he yeah. was a superstar, but like this takes it to all new, all new level. Dude. I heard stories like before, before big games and playoffs, he'd play 36 holes of golf in the morning. Yeah, like in between playoffs, he'd go play golf all the time. That's unbelievable. Like people think was, it's not that tiring. It is. It is fucking tiring, especially you play two rounds of golf and then go play. That's yeah. That shows what kind of athlete he is. Yeah, he was a winner. If there is a definition of a winner, that dude was a winner. Yeah, he could go into that place where it's just like if he needed to put on a, bit, a show and put a big game out or whatnot to dominate somebody, he did it. It was incredible. Like I get goosebumps thinking about it. It was insane. It's a series, right? Yeah, it is. It's like a documentary series. They've put out like eight of the ten episodes so far now. All right. Yeah, I gotta watch it. So, yeah. Um, you want you want to lead us into the next rant because I think you you started kind of the rant on social about this. I would absolutely love to. Okay, 
So Brendan Arnold posted a picture of Louisville. And I don't know who took the photo, but it was a side angle of their first jump. And somebody made it a tabletop. Okay. Where's the button that we need to cut this crap? Are you shitting me? This is unbelievable. Okay, guys, we need to stop making our jump safe and stop making it look boring. Okay, it's unfortunately we're not in a safe sport. Okay, the jumps are big, but that's what attracts people. Okay, we're making our sport not look cool and not look badass like it really is. What's the point of a tabletop? Like, I guess you could argue safety, but then it defeats the purpose of a supercross hill. It's yeah. To me, okay, people say it's safer. Yes. Okay, there's no gap in the middle, so you could pull brakes, you can roll it, but there's a there's a lot more danger to it at the same time because you get all these people that all of a sudden gain this confidence that think they can race down the Supercross Hill and or that don't have the skill to be in mid-pack racing down the Supercross Hill and still do. I agree. It's tabletop. And you think it's, can you imagine you're just sprinting down the hill, all of a sudden someone goes to pump it? I guess it's, it's pretty sketchy because the lip is still the lip. And then if someone's pumping and someone's jumping, that's a recipe for disaster too. Seriously, you're going to catch a handlebar yeah. on a wheel and it's not going to end well. And if that's like, tr- it's if like the pull manuals and stuff. That's if, sketchy to me. If they're trying to appeal it more to kids, well, BMX Supercross isn't meant for kids. It's just not. It's not. It's just not. No, it's not. It's just not. Like, it's meant to be elite. So I know like if you want kids to be able to jump it, you could try and figure something out. Maybe make the landing more of a case pad or like put a case pad on it like we did before. Mm-hmm. But BMX Supercross really isn't meant for kids. It's not. No. And you got to learn like... It's not going to be for everybody, unfortunately. Okay, so you got to learn the skills at a young age to get to the point where you can race supercross. You don't need to make a tabletop just so everybody can try to do it. No, it's crap. No. And yeah, it's defeating the entire purpose of the supercross hill. Yeah. Our sport was so cool. Like, yes, it's dangerous. We know that. It's dangerous no matter what. So that little gap is not going to make it that much safer. Okay. What no. it does, though, it adds that appeal like to the general public who sees that and goes, holy crap, look at that big gap they're jumping. Yeah. Now it's just like, oh, cool, they're jumping a tabletop. I bet you I could do that. The tabletop like, doesn't no. doesn't look like anything, no. No. And really, the double, like the gap, isn't in play. Like, it's not, it's not actually, it's not, no, it's, it's, I don't know how to say this, but it's not like, it's not actually part of the jump we're doing. It doesn't matter. You can put a fucking snake pit in there. It's not going to matter. No. No one's jumping it. Yeah, it's no one. jump on the track. And if you're rolling it, well... You probably shouldn't be racing Supercross if you're rolling the first jump. To be quite honest, <laughs> to be quite honest, Honestly, you shouldn't you shouldn't be racing Supercross if you're rolling it. Yeah, because I mean, let's be honest. There are times, yes, where people get cut off. They have to roll the jump. You're out of the race. Okay, that's what happens. It's part of the game. It happens. Yep. If you're really skilled, sometimes you're able to do what you're really good at. Carlos is really good at. Some people are really good at where they just can pull up just that little bit where they can still jump it, still be in the race, and that's a skill. Now it's like everybody's just going to be racing down the hill and doesn't give a crap about pulling up at all because there's a big tabletop. They're not scared about going low casing or basically just pushing through and rolling the damn thing. It's kind of a skill in its own to like, if you get cut off or something, just hold back and then still jump the first jump and keep going. Yeah. Where is the cool factor of our, Oh, you people making tabletops. Just, just stop. Just Just stop. Please stop. Shut it down. Shut lock this it crap up. down. Lock it up. We are we lock this crap up. We are <laughs> tired of it. I get a wedding crash you're like you lock it up. No, you lock it. <laughs> lock it up. <laughs> lock <laughs> fucking lock it up. <laughs> oh, I love that movie. You lock, lock it, it up now. You lock it up. <laughs> <laughs> those two actors are so uh, funny, Vince Vaughn and uh Owen Wilson. I love those they guys. They're two of my favorites especially together. They're hilarious. Oh my god. All right, moving on through. So on Instagram this week, I posted a video of me and James completely botching a. I guess your gate wasn't bad. 
I completely amazing. No, it wasn't amazing, but I completely cheesed the gates. Ended up just like I remember. I remember the session. It was like four years ago. It was a few weeks after Rio. We were training for Rock Hill World Cup, and mm-hmm. my session was shit. I was tired, not riding well. Cheese the start <laughs> was kind of pissed, and then kind of like when you're pissed, you don't really, you're not even really thinking about the first jump. I ended up leg locking and fucking nose diving the first jump. <laughs> James had a decent start, veered a bit right, and then just completely cattywampus the first jump. <laughs> <laughs> completely locked up. Get a little half berry bar up to the side. We're completely stuck in the air. So we've we've had this video for like four years now, and we've always kind of like chuckled about it and talked about this specific one. And when one of us brings it up, we instantly know about it and just start laughing. Yeah. So I decided to post it this week and do a free uh, coffee chatter mug giveaway for it. Whoever has the best comment, whoever's roasted us the best. Plus, I'll donate a <laughs> hundred dollars to COVID relief and a hundred dollars to Kai. So Very cool of you to do. Yeah, thanks. I know it's not a ton, but I figured obviously every amount helps, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So let's go through some of the comments. Let's go through some of the. Comments. I'm going to. I'm going to your thing now. I got to see some of these comments. They were fantastic. Some of the ones that even I got to, like that came up on my phone. They were hilarious. All right, so let's let's pick the best one. So J Leg one had to double look. Wasn't sure if this was two professional athletes or a couple of siblings taking out their Fisher Price toys for the first time and realizing they are big enough to ride them. <laughs> Still, be- that's pretty good. Still better than your golf swing from the Bryce Cause That one's just fucked up. Like that's that's a little. <laughs> Peyton Ridenour. This definitely looks like all the junior women going down the hill together. I'm not even going to touch that one. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to touch it. <laughs> oh, that's really funny though. <laughs> Some of these were released. Do you have it open? Yeah, I just opened it now. I like Travis's uh, one of our golf friends. He says Charles Barkley has more success hitting a golf ball. So people, I you, love that one. <laughs> you need to Google Charles Barkley golf. I know, I know you're not golf fans, but just Google it. Yeah, it's hilarious. Kyle Gress, ladies and gents, this is what fifth in the Olympics looks like. <laughs> That's gold. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else we got here? Imagine being or Cam Brammer. <laughs> Imagine being so bad at BMX that you start your own podcast. <laughs> Thomas uh, Anderson, truth. You, Thomas Anderson, you look like my grandma. And so I replied on or off the track and he replied both or someone else replied <laughs> both or he replied both. Yeah. Okay. If your grandma's doing this, that's pretty good. Okay. <laughs> Connor Bullman legs look stiffer, legs stiffer than a 45 novice. Oh, <laughs> uh. Look, you These guys, are good. I'm just I'm I know some, some of the ones I haven't seen. Yeah, before. read out some of them if you find any good ones. All right. When you try and prove that playing golf seven times a week is great cross training with BMX. <laughs> I like this one. I think Brooks said the same thing with this guy. Lewis Smith said, I didn't think, or wait, which one? No. Dirt sample says, how everyone will be riding after quarantine. Uh, straight up. <laughs> this was the gate that made you realize it was time to retire. And James Palmer 66 was just trying to get to the inside for one of his signature t <laughs> <laughs> Harry Phillips. Oh, that's gold. <laughs> How everyone will be riding after quarantine. Yeah, that's true. What else we got? About as much control as the last time you tried to go fast, just that your career actually continued after this, or I guess it did after Baku as well for like one and a half year, but without any races. That was a bit of a mouthful, but yeah, that, that, was, that, that was a little mean. That was a little rough. I couldn't understand. There's too much, <laughs> yeah, too many words going on. That was, that was very wordy. <laughs> 
All right, so those are pretty good. I think I like Jay Legs. Yeah. But I was getting her bikes and blah, blah, blah. That one's pretty good. You know what? That one's hilarious. We are uh, we're prone to the golf ones too, and uh, just because he's a golf friend too. Yeah, that's that's hilarious for the Fisher Price. <laughs> so I think I think he made a one. I think he might have won. All right, all right. Um, thanks for playing along, people. It was fun to read. I got some good entertainment the other day about it. <clears throat> Seriously, that that was that was gold. Yeah, I got that some good. Hilarious. Got some good entertainment. Uh, yeah. Are true or false? The new favorite. The new, new fucking favorite. favorite. Don't don't play that sound. You, you stop that that's right it. now. I hate that. That's sound. the one. No, no. Play the sound that I sent you. Oh, the one. You, oh, you yeah. Have two yeah. options. I got it Play here. You one sec. I got it here. Okay, I gave you two. I don't know which one. They're not very good, but I just looked them up on All YouTube. Right, here we go. And I was like, I yeah. <laughs> It's a new drop. Two options. There we go. Two oh. options. Did you hear it? Did That's you hear? Did you hear it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Um. All right. I'll start us off. You got yours ready? Yeah, I got mine ready. All right. Caroline Buchanan hates spaghetti because when she was a little kid, her brother threw it at her at her birthday dinner. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> True or false, right. baby? First of all, who's having who's having spaghetti on their birthday dinner? Um, kids like spaghetti. That's got to be false. I don't know. I don't know how that could be true. That's false. Yeah, I made it up completely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was really, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, Nick once went a whole race weekend only drinking Smirnoff and Coors Light. Only like nothing, not even water. No, like in between rounds, he was drinking Smirnoff and Coors, which is basically water. Yes, Nashville, twenty thirteen. <laughs> I'm, I'm right. Are you saying? I'm right, aren't I? Are yeah, it's true. I have no idea. I made that the hell up, but well, no, I think it could be. Because <laughs> I know in 2013 in Nashville, I think he was like drinking between rounds and he got on the podium. I mean, I remember DeSoto him having Smirnoff between rounds too. So Okay, we'll go with that's like a loose <laughs> true. <laughs> I made that up, but I was like, I was thinking in my head when I did, I was like, this could be true. Like, Fuck, I don't know. that's impressive. <laughs> All right. I once raced an entire race day with one of my gloves inside out. Inside out? Yeah. No way. That's got to be false. You would notice and you'd switch it. It's true. How, in, how on earth did you <laughs> so, have So, 100% true. So, in Rockford in 2011, I got up to the gate for a pro warm-up at like 7.30 a.m. on Sunday and realized I think I had like two right-handed gloves. And I was like, fuck. I wasn't going to go back. <laughs> I didn't want to go back to the trailer and get another glove. So, I just turned my right glove. I can't think like Brian Kirkham told me just turn it inside out. So, I turned it inside out and put it on my left hand and it fit fine. And then I think I like did the warm up, was feeling good. And I just rolled with it to first round, whole shot at a one my first round. And I was like, fuck it, I'm going good today. And so, so I just like- so I just raced the whole day with an inside out glove. Because I, I think the day before I got semi, and that day I ended up getting like fourth or fifth, so I did better. And so I just I rolled with it and got like fourth or fifth and had a better day. So yeah, just just went with it. That's hilarious. Yeah. Talk about it's superstitious. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Yeah. When, it, when it's working, they got to roll with it. I know. When something's working, you whole shot and win your first round. I mean, you can't fucking change something after that. You don't change it. No. I mean, I got semi yeah. the day before. So, I mean, you got you to change something. Yeah. You got to change something. You got to change something. Yeah. All right. Um, next one here. Sam was on the podium at every World Cup. He raced from 2012 to 2014. Every World So, 2012, Cup. he got all seconds. 2013, I was on the podium, both World Cups, we both raced, so yeah. 2014, 
2014 fucking. I think there's no timer. Was he in Manchester? No, I was on the podium. So he wasn't on the podium Manchester. I don't think he went. (laughs) He was on the podium in Papanelli one. And then we go through to Chula. I'm going to go. It's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Insane. Because 2012, he got all seconds. Then 2013, he got third and first. Then 2014, he would have got. He would have won Papadale and, and won Chula. So what a record. Yeah. Insane. Hey? What a record. Yeah. Wow. Everyone he went to for three years. That's so con- yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, Laura Smolders only goes out for pancakes at home to hang out with friends. She doesn't actually like them. <laughs> um, okay. Last time I went out for pancakes with Laura, I remember her getting like a dessert pancake and it looked delicious. I think that's, I think it's true. No, it's false. She say- it's false. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's false. She likes pancakes. Who doesn't like pancakes? <laughs> I was thinking maybe it's a trick question because everybody in Holland likes pancakes. I know. I was, I'm proud of that one. Yeah, okay. You got me with that. Yeah, I'm proud of that one. Oh, uh, here's my- All right. Um, Fireballs has a flamethrowing tattoo on her arm. Okay, say it again. Fireballs, the Russian chick. Yeah, yeah. She, she has a flamethrowing tattoo on her arm. <laughs> false. <laughs> yeah, fuck no that'd be awesome <laughs> just gonna got a nice like flame sleeve or something oh that'd be hilarious huh? <laughs> all right sylvan accidentally raced the race weekend with a 44 17 and got on the podium 44 17 damn that small where do you where do you do this i can't give any more information <laughs> <laughs> um i think it's false that's a small gear he and yeah no that's false <laughs> it's true where the hell did he do okay this? Oldsmar 2017 he, he he literally I think he said he he didn't realize till after the weekend so he podium Sunday it was mm-hmm. him Romaine and Joris on the podium so he podium Sunday and he raced the whole weekend of the 4417 I don't know I think he said he might have used it at the track and for that week and forgot to change it or something but then he showed <laughs> me the video after and like if you actually watch him he's spinning like crazy down the ramp so he actually like you can tell that's so impressive he did that that's insane. Yeah, that's God, that really so spinning. impressive. Yeah, There's one, two, three must have been off the charts. Um, yeah, that's that's really impressive. I guess Oldsmar, you can probably get away with it too because it's kind of tight. The first straight is not like a ton of pedaling. True, but still, not, I mean, yeah, yeah, not before they put that roller in there and it's just a sprint to the turn. Yeah, because 2017 it was a three jumper. Oh yeah, so you're good then. Yeah, it was more about just catching backside anyway. Yeah. All right, last one for me. Uh, Ren Carell matched his kink PB in Paris going oppo foot when he was getting ready for Rock Hill. Because for Rock Hill, he switched. You, s- you see, I think, I think he didn't he switch, so I think this is true. He did switch. Yeah. But I have no fucking clue if it's true. I made that the hell up. Oh, I, I, wouldn't, I bet it's true. <laughs> I Honestly, I want to know if, what his time was compared to his regular. Because when he was switched, he did oppo and Rock Hill, he was freaking fast too. He just, so he always starts, he would have always started right foot, right? I don't know what he does normally, yeah, but he I th- did. Yeah, I think he always would have started right foot with jumping left. So then for the worlds, he switched to left, or for the world. Yeah, or, yeah. So he was same same down the hill, so we could like get the full amount of pedals in. And now he's is he back to what he was before now? I think so. I would assume so. God, it's insane. It's insane that he could, if the people that can do that, or if he did that, like that's incredible. What a talent! I can barely box sprint oppo foot. <laughs> yeah, wow, that dude's impressive. Yeah, he's got an insane one too. One All two right. three. That's our true yeah. or false. Nothing like a, some shivers down your spine in the morning. 
I can't wait till I can like put a proper drop in. I don't like that sound. It's no. All right. Do you want to do our Sylvan social media check-in? Because it's already time to call Shanae's too. No, we won't do that, but we'll save it. Uh, we'll save the call. But uh, the whole thing that was going to be about the, the cold call to Sylvan was going to be about that discussion topic I posted. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I'll be honest. I thought people would, it would like the whole stats here would be uh, a little more skewed one way or the other, but it was pretty even. So I put out the question like we've been talking about was how many pedals would Sylvan need to get in the final of a World Cup in the women's class? Yeah. And I had like 250 people vote on things. (laughs) Not bad. I had like 50 people say no pedals, 50 people say one to two pedals, and then 75 people say to the kink, another 75 to the bottom of the hill. Is it to make the main? Yeah, to make the main. I wanted to put out a disclaimer. When I put this out, I was a little nervous. I could be, I was being rude to people, but yeah. I hope people know it's just for shits and giggles. Okay. We all know that the female body, male body, we're different. Okay. So I don't take anything away from the female class. We just know that the men have more, they're faster, more muscles, blah, blah, blah. So the fuck you saying, James? Fun. I'm saying <laughs> that is for fun people. So um, if anybody got offended, I, I apologize. I think if he sprints on the ramp, he for sure makes it. There was a lot of people basically saying, like, if he gets to the kink and gets out front, then he can stay out front. And that's, that's probably true. His pumping skills are, are amazing. And everybody, everybody else that commented was saying, like, okay, it depends on what track, blah, blah, blah. If he has room to pass, so that it, kind of thing. In Argentina, when he did it with Laura, he pedaled to the kink, right? He pedaled to the kink. And then by the first turn, I want to say they were even. It's, it's funny. I just rewatched this on Coffee Chatter's Instagram. On yeah. Instagram, like a couple days ago, since this discussion, and first of all, James, fantastic coverage of the whole thing. Like I'm talking, <laughs> that's one of the best Instagram stories I've ever seen. So, people, if you want to rewatch this, go to Coffee Chatter and look at uh, the story James put up. It is, it's got to be one of the best stories I've ever seen. Just the coverage, the pre-interviews, the post, the the gate, like whatever uh, headshot. It's just fantastic. <laughs> it's fantastic coverage. That was great. It, it was, was. It was fantastic coverage. Yeah. Um. If he gets, I think if he gates gates to the kink, he he has a really good shot at making the main. Yeah, I, I, I've been. I'm saying it like the dude is just so good at finding those holes. He's gonna start slipping around. The but only thing is the problem is if though, he gets, if he has is, to take a different line in the corners, and if he gets like in a bit of traffic, I think he's screwed. Exactly, that's my thing. If he gets behind, I think the girls are really skilled in blocking their lines, and I don't know if he'll be able to get around them. So I yeah. Think, there's potential there. He doesn't make it. For sure, he makes it if he can pedal the ramp. But I, hmm, I don't know if, if yeah, if he pedals the kink, I don't know if he makes it. I kind of yeah. later rounds like in this. I think he could make the semi, for instance. But then I don't, I don't think he'd make it out of the semi. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And then if it, it also because we were talking about it depends on the track. If he could pull Mayo the first jump, this would be a whole different story too. Because <laughs> oh he'd get, yeah, he'd get a big speed boost off this, like right then and there. Or like Baku, and you could tap manual it. Yeah, exactly. Right, like that one. And when there's not even a jump there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'll talk to Kevin. We're gonna make this happen at a World Cup. Yeah. We're gonna throw <laughs> Sylvan in there. We're gonna give him one God. to two pedals. One yeah. of the one of the post Olympic ones. Let's just do it, Kevin. Let's just let's just do it. Let's just have some fun, all right? <laughs> God, that'd be so fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be hilarious. Or maybe I'll just start training pump laps and then I'll just do it. We'll just throw you in the mix. That would be perfect for me. 
you just reclassify and yeah, we'll just, yeah, just I for don't, fun, obviously. I don't have to train. Like all I have to do is like work on my pumping again and track speed, which, you know, is, is, hasn't really gone anywhere. You know, I still probably have like a decent amount of it. Yep. And then I just do it and it doesn't matter. I think that'd be great. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I just do yeah. three pedal sprints. That's all. That's fine with me. That's easy peasy. Nothing easy major. peasy. Yeah. No worries. Yep. I think that'd be a fantastic idea. Oh, that'd be epic. <laughs> that'd, that'd be so good. That'd be great for content. Gotta be awesome. Oh, fuck. That'd be good. All right. Let's, uh, Shanae's read our, our, our premier guest of the show. Premier guest. She's been wanting to come on for a while. Hey. Yeah. And then we so. just had a, yeah, we have all these people on and we just haven't had them on yet. So we're glad to finally have her on. She's been on our yeah. list for a while. She has been, yeah. Do, 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 do. Okay, let's hope she picks up. <laughs> Classic. She's not picking up. <laughs> I'm even checking the message to make sure she's good. She says five o'clock. So I was, o'clock, yeah, I was, just text, I was just texting her. Okay. Oh, Shanae's. It's one of those that's, things. That's eh? strike one. That's strike one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now we gotta. Now we gotta improvise. <laughs> you see, when we have stuff for intro, we have stuff to this point. And then normally we just fucking leave it here, and we're like, okay, the guest has got this now. See, by we're this good. point, we're kind of out of content. Oh, she's texting me now. What the hell? Fantastic. She- I could talk more about the Michael Jordan thing because that thing still baffled me. Yeah, I, we're waiting. I started, uh, so I finished my shows, then I was watching Homeland, which is okay. Not sure what yeah. happened then. I'll call you back. And then I started watching Homeland again. I watched another se- uh, season. I'm like season five, but it's kind of, I don't know, kind of stopped watching it. Oh, here she is. Yeah. One sec. Need to do audio. Roadcaster Pro. Can you hear me? Shanae, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, you missed the first call. Shanae, that was strike one. sorry Uh, about that how's it going yeah not too bad thank you how about you two oh it's good we're just this is one of the we haven't had a european on the show in a while we had to do a morning show so we just had our morning coffee we're more awake now like when we started the show half an hour ago we weren't really awake and our energy was now (laughs) our energy was like a five out of ten but we're good now yeah okay that's good what time is it over there uh 907 Oh, that's all right then. Yeah, it's not even that early. (laughs) I had to get up at 8. I thought you were going to say like 5 a.m. or something. We did. We were talking. We we got up at like 5.30 in the morning and podcast with Mariana at like 6 a.m. That was the earliest one we did because it was the only time she could do it. She is worth it. That's what what we were saying. It's like we're not going to not not have Mariana on the show because we don't want to get up at 6. Yeah, for sure. But in in true Mariana fashion... She's like, no, guys, don't do that. It's too early. We're like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, we're <laughs> we making it happen. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're fine. Um, where are you right now? In Manchester? Uh, yeah, just, well, I just live on the outskirts. It's the same place that I've always been in when I was living and um, training at the center. So, yeah, just about half an hour from the center. How are, uh, are things like everywhere else? Everyone's just locked in and whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much just like, you know, everywhere. It's like ghost town everywhere. I mean, even where I'm, I live is like pretty quiet anyway, but now it's like super quiet. So yeah, it's nice in a way, like the weather's been getting better in England. Um, and yeah, it's just been ticking along with things, really. So it's a good James, Yeah. 
I was going to say, this is a time when the weather starts to get nice and everybody just wants to be outside. And we yeah. Can't right now. <laughs> yeah. So for sure. Yeah. Yeah. How are you? How are you feeling now? Because you just recovered from being sick not too long ago. Yeah, I feel I feel much better. It's weird because I started feeling a little bit unwell, and and then obviously all the Corona stuff was kind of going on, and I was like, uh, like I hope I don't get you know some of the symptoms I had, and then some I didn't, and then I woke up. I think it was, this was on like the Thursday it happened, and on the Friday I just felt like totally wiped out. Like my my joints were like all my joints were really really hurting and I couldn't breathe that great and yeah and I, I don't I don't know still obviously to this day did I have it or didn't I because you know was it just like I was getting a bit sick and then this was all going on and I, you know it was like yeah I don't know what was wrong but I feel much better now thank you so yeah you never got tested for it no because the testing is so hard like it's, I don't yeah. know how it is over there for you guys but. Over here, it's like, you know, if you're not, you know, if you're not in the NHS worker or you're not a police or whatever, it's, it's hard to get a test for it. So I kind of just went, you know, I just isolated and, yeah, just felt sorry for myself in my bedroom, really. What were your, what were your <laughs> symptoms? It was hard to breathe? Yeah, it's hard to breathe. Like, just, I felt, you know when you have, like, flu-like symptoms and, yeah. like, your knees ache and, like, you just feel, like, super, super tired, even though you've just, like, slept 12 hours and, I just felt like that and I was just like coughing a lot and yeah, I don't know if it's just like, was just like the normal flu or, you know, it was like a, a milder version of what people have been getting. I'm, I don't know, but I didn't feel great at all. Well, it's, hopefully you did have it. Yes. It's, I, uh, that's the thing because then hopefully I'll be immune, immune to it. So yeah, I'm hoping that too. Yeah. Well, if you did have it, that's good. You got through it. Cause a lot of people like, uh, don't know someone that had it or went through it. You only hear stuff on the news, which is all pretty gnarly stuff, obviously. Yeah. They just tell the extremes, don't they? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I don't exactly. know. Um, what are you doing for coaching? Know. What are you doing for coaching these days? Like, uh, cause you're, you're coaching privately, right? Yeah. So it's, it's a funny one because when just before this all kind of happened, I was in discussions with Beth, um, so I no longer coach Beth anymore. Um, I It was just felt at the time that like we did a really good job, but with trying to be private and integrate into British Cycling, it was pretty difficult, and financially it was a lot of money for Beth's parents to be paying. Um, so I just kind of, I've gone my separate ways with Beth. You know, I wish her all the best and everything still, but for me, I'm not actually coaching anyone within the sport of BMX anymore. Um, but hopefully, you know, over the next few months or years, I can start to be a bit more private, like PH did, yeah. um, and start doing a, lo- a little bit more again, because I absolutely loved it. Like, it's the closest thing you can get to being on the start line without actually being on the start line. And, and for me, I just love the process of putting it all together and, yeah, seeing her, her improve and, and everything else. So, yeah, it's definitely something I'd like to explore more of. What else have you been doing besides uh, besides coaching? My life is, is not straightforward. Like people say, oh, what, do, what do you do for a job? And I'm just like, I can't kind of put it into, you, maybe you're in the same position now, <laughs> I, sorry, I, but it's yeah, like. <laughs> someone, asked me, someone asked me the other day, they're like, are you working right now? Yeah. I was like, that's a very, yeah. good, that's a very good question. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I can't turn around and say, yeah, I'm um, a firefighter now. It's like, no, I, I do a lot of ambassador work. So I work yeah, a lot yeah. for um, like HSBC and like a lot of corporate brands. Um, and then I work for a, a bike company called Instinct, which is an Indian. It's basically the Indian, um, an Indian royal, the royal family of India. 
own a bike company because their grandson likes bikes and he was like, you can have this business. So it basically, Instinct owns a wide um, variety of different bikes from like, well, every, you know, like the kids' bikes you get in Walmart and Argos and everything like that. So they own 42% of the bike industry. Um, and I basically just helped with design the graphics, help design like the frame, col- like the colors, the sizes, and yeah, just do bits and pieces for them guys. It's it's very random, but it's um, it's an en- it's enjoyable because it's always something new to work on. Yeah, and it's still something you you probably feel passionate about and enjoy doing and everything. Yeah, for sure. And like next year, we're looking at bringing my own bike range out um, within that company as well. So that should be good and. Yeah, it's just it's just nice to be doing stuff that I have a passion for, and it's not just you know, no offense to people who've just gone on to got a no, normal generic job, but for me, I just feel like I have to be involved somewhat in the life that I created yeah. um, before I retired. So yeah, and and honestly too, you have so much knowledge to share about the sport, and it's like when top racers like yourself finish, it's like it just be. It's not like a bad thing to keep it all in, but it's like you can have so much experience mm-hmm. you can share with these riders like Beth and whoever else you're going to go on a coach that can help to be so successful. So why not, right? Yeah, it almost feels like a, yeah, a, a way, sure. it almost feels like a waste to not give out all the knowledge you've learned because you learned so much stuff over the career. Yeah, like the good and the bad. Like you know, obviously some of, some of the times I guess you were saying, Terry, we were going through the guinea pig stages of yeah. actually what training as, a, yeah. as an elite athlete was like. So yeah, we've, uh, we've got that knowledge where they can just yeah skip past that and just get to the good stuff, hopefully. Or you look back and you're like, I can't believe I did that. Then you're coaching yeah. someone, you're like, do not do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh, that's so funny. So in your elite career, like especially when you got into elite, you were so dominant those years. So like, what was the first year of elite you race was it 2006 or seven or something 2007 right yeah 2007 in canada was the first um elite world title that i won actually um and yeah it was just i think from being a little kid like from the age of like 10 i guess we'll get into this when i got into it i just was never good academically at school like i never had any interest but all i ever wanted to do is be the best in the world at something like I was in athletics for a little while and I just always would say to like my grandparents who brought me up like I'm going to be the best in the world and it wasn't arrogant but I was just prepared to do absolutely anything it took to be the best and then yeah like it was just like I remember like when I was won the world when I was like 15 or 16 I was disappointed that I couldn't have raised the elite women that day just to become the elite you know the best in the world um, so yeah, it was, it was just always within me to, to, you know, to win really. When did you get on the, the GB team when you were junior? The, I got actually got onto the GB team. It was funny because in Paris, this is 2005, I think. Was yeah. it 2005 Paris? Yeah, 2005. Yeah, I, um, I got, I got a call. I got a call after 2004 world when I won in Vulcanflood and they were like, well, we want you to be on the team, but BMX wasn't in the Olympics then. And I was just like, I, I, I heard all these rumors that um, GB wanted me on and they wanted me to do track cycling. And I was like, I'm, I'm not doing that. It's like so boring. <laughs> um, but then they were like, but we'll fund you. Like, we'll give you funding, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, all right, I'll just take, you know, it's obviously tough that having not that much sponsorship at the time. And I was like, okay, I'll come on board, take my funding. And then it was like 
he didn't really do anything with me. Um, but then, like, two years later, I was kind of getting paid, but two years later, I got put into the Olympics. Um, so then I fully got onto the program in 2000, end of 2006, I think it was. Cool. What was it like back then? Um, like, who were the coaches? Because And what was the program like? I know nowadays it's very, it, it seems from the outside, it's very calculated training. Was it like that back then as well? Uh, no, like, it was, like for me, I used to much prefer how it was in the early days and maybe Liam, you know, didn't because it was kind of me and Liam at the time, but everything was kind of just a lot more chilled and yeah, like we, we obviously took it serious and we, you know, we were professional athletes, but at that time when, you know, before it had even gone into Beijing Olympics, it, the atmosphere was just, yeah, it was still like, it's still like being a kid, like you still like trying your best, but having a laugh with it, you know. And then as the years went on and British cycling becomes more successful in all the disciplines, um, I think it then started becoming more of like a regimented army sort of structure style program. (laughs) (laughs) Just a bunch of military troops. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) I remember watching when I was younger, I remember watching videos of you and Liam training at Eagle and stuff. Yeah. I watched. Yeah, we would go. No, I was going to say, I watched so many of those like, uh, especially when I was like 15, 16, 17, I watched so many YouTube videos of like you guys and the Dutch national team training and stuff. Yeah, it was, yeah, then it was like, the, I mean, I think the Dutch, like, I think British Cycling were competing against the Dutch trying to get us who could be the most regimented. Now, I'm not a person who can fit in a box. Like, I'm not. Yeah. I was always late to things. And, you know, I'd, I'd always want to, I would always, the, the, being a professional athlete, I always loved the idea of it and did my best. But I wasn't, you know, I was known for being a bit flat to things and, and stuff. And I think it was almost like I had to become an adult overnight to fit in the, into the system. And I struggled with it for a, a good four or five years, to be honest, like just trying to fit myself into that mold of, you know, how Chris Hoy was and, and everything else. It was a, a big transition for me mentally to, to try and become a, a full-time professional athlete. Especially, especially growing up and when you were younger and when you raced junior too, you had really good skill in the compared to the other girls you were racing. Did you grow up uh, riding with guys and how'd you, how'd you really increase your skill at a young age? Cause you can already manual and jump a lot better than the rest of your class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, for me, I would just every single day from school, like I would, um, I'd, it was only guys where I went, the club that I, um, the BMX track that I went was only boys. And, um, I would just always feel like I was like, when I raced, it was easy. And when I, when I was training, it was hard because I was always against the guys. I would just spend so much. Remember AOL dial-up, you know, when you could just yeah, like go yeah. on there. I'd just come home, like my nan, I'd got um, a, like an old computer and I'd always type into like Ask Jeeves, like how to be a faster BMX rider or how to do this, how to do that. <laughs> and then like my granddad would buy me like bags of sand and like I'd do like everything like Rocky style. But like the skill stuff, I would like pack my bags the night before, like, like I'd go up before I go to bed. Have it all packed and like chuck my rucksack on with my BMX stuff on, rush to the track with for daylight because we had no floodlights. And I would just spend like um, manuals and jumps and manuals and jumps, and that's all I did. Like, I didn't have any coach or whatever, but I just wanted to. I had set myself little goals at the track, like I wanted to be able to jump this double next and that double, and then before I knew it, I could jump them all, and yeah, just then I did it backwards and like, and then it was just, yeah, it was just so different back then, 
Um, I just had so much more freedom on the bike and just felt so comfortable with it. Yeah, because then you won. You oh, go ahead, James. I was gonna, well, I was just going to say, do you think as a coach now, like knowing what you know from that side of things, do you think too many people rush into trying to get fast instead of working on those skills? 100%, like 100% in men and women. Like you see, like for me, like I had my, my natural genetics was that I was strong, but I've worked a lot on my skills, like so much. And now you see people and most of the accidents that, or crashes that you see, especially at like, national level, like the girls and the guys are too strong. Like they've been focusing too much on the engine and not enough on the skill. Um, and yeah, I think like it, it almost needs to be like go back the other way. And when I started coaching as well with Beth, even though she was fantastic on a bike, I didn't just neglect that then and think, all right, we'll just build the engine. I was like, being good on your bike is like the, the fundamentals that you need. And we'd still spend a lot of time doing skills work. Yeah. And people think, you know, people always see the French national team, whatever, they have a ton of skill. It's not a coincidence. Like the clubs, mm -hmm. since the kids are at a young age, the amount of detail and effort they put into track work and skills and bike control is like, it's not copied across other disciplines. Like they do so, or other countries, they do so much work on bike skills that it's no coincidence that when they become elite, they're some of the best in the world on their bike. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So then obviously you win some, uh, uh, challenge world championships and you win junior. And then mm -hmm. did you think like when you, cause you won the junior world championship in Brazil in 2006, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, no, Brazil. Yeah. Yeah. I did. Yeah. <laughs> thinking back, I'm, old, I'm old now. Sorry. I have to think back. <laughs> so coming, yeah, come, in Brazil. coming into your first year of elite, did you think you could win right away? Uh, yeah. Like without, without sounding like I just felt like I trained so hard. And I would like put so much work in that I was just like, no one would be prepared to do what I'm doing. And I was like, on Christmas day, on like every day possible that I could do, I would do because I was like, if I'm not doing it, somebody else is. And I always had that mentality that, so even when I'd like look, I'd always like ask someone to stop watch my final against the elite women's final every year around I did as an amateur. And then I'd always like just want to try and be, like the fastest girl there, like I just, that's what I always wanted to do. And I think when in 2007, um, is when like Anne Carroll started coming back. Um, I just was like, I believe that I can win. Like I didn't have any doubt um, that I couldn't really. So what was your mindset like heading into the worlds that day? Um, I was just like super, super excited because I just finally with red line. Um, and I was just like, just, yeah, I was just like excited and, and I just thought, like, I didn't actually feel great on my bike. I, the only thing I looked back on, I was watching the races the other day, actually, because it's been on Eurosport over here. And um, Amanda, my partner, I was showing her the video. Uh, watch, we were watching it. And I said, don't watch the final. Like, I look terrible on my bike. Um, but she was like, you won. And I was like, I know. But, like, out of all my world titles, that's one that I look at. And I didn't look good on my bike. Um, and, yeah, I just... I just was um, like super chilled. And then in the final, I used to just thrive on the more pressure there was, the more I felt like I could like shine through really. Um, and that's how I felt like in, in my first elite world um, championship. That's the definition of a winner right there. When the times get tough and you need to step up, you make the big time play, you step up. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, feed off of yeah, it. Yeah, but yeah. but the only thing with that is it just didn't happen on the two big races that it needed to in, in both Olympics. Oh, we'll get <laughs> there. The we'll get did. there. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. We'll save that. We'll save that bit. <laughs> did, uh, so obviously you win the Worlds in, in 2007. Did, uh, yeah. was it shown in England at all? Like, did they know you won? And cause British, uh, sport is pretty big. Like the, I think they like to follow Olympic sports and that kind of thing pretty mm-hmm. much around the years. Don't they? Yeah, it was huge. Like I was, I, to be honest, like I was really lucky in terms of my, my career. I got sponsored by like, um, a lot of commercial, com- big commercial companies and um, like Visa and Adidas and Sky um, and then Holiday Inn. So I was plastered all over big billboards in the UK and loads of people recognizing me and sending stuff. I guess I was listening to the Mariana one. It's sim- like a similar sort of thing, but on a smaller scale. Yeah. Um, I was, yeah, I had a lot of backing and support from the general public. So yeah, it was, it was cool. Really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. I love when countries get behind athletes like that because I mean, we've talked about it, but here, like Olympic sports, they really only follow the year of, and otherwise it's just about professional hockey and stuff. Which is bad. It's like, yeah, I think even though England's big with football, it still like supports all the other, all the other sports as well, pretty much. Yeah. No, I think that's awesome. And that's what a big reason why you guys have a lot of successful athletes, especially in the summer Olympics. Yeah, for sure. I think it helps. So, after- so going into... Yeah, we're, we're gonna we're season. gonna we're gonna ask the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can both fight. Now. You can both fight over the question. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I got it. <laughs> uh, but no, going into two thousand eight. So you've won two thousand seven now. Um, yeah. Is it different coming into two thousand eight, knowing you have the world title, or was your mindset still the same? You felt like the fastest girl out there. Was there any differences? Oh yeah, going back to two thousand seven as well, and this answers this as well, James. Because I won the track cycling world title in the same year, in oh, 2007 you, and 2008. That. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, I was, no. I, I was in the Guinness Book of Records because Jesus. no one had ever won two UCI gold medals in wow. the same year. Was it in indi- um, individual sprint or the Kieran or what? The, the team sprint with Victoria Pendleton. Oh, team sprint, nice. Yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, we need to get our um, facts right here, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I'll do the research for you guys. <laughs> um but yeah, it was it was just pretty. Like I think when I won both of them world titles, and then 2007 was able, uh, 2008 was able to do it again, and then the Olympic test event. I was just like, yeah, it was just. I, I guess I, I didn't. I took it for granted at the time. I was just like, it's just another bike race. Um, but for sure, when I won in 2007 and going to 2008 worlds, I was like, well, now I have, I am, you know, I've got the target on my back, and I, I just. I, just loved it like I was like I'm going in the best shape of my life going to the world championships and then um hopefully I want to carry that on to the Olympics in 2008 but yeah I definitely thought I never got complacent when I won a world title it would make me more hungry and determined to kind of a rainbow jersey to do it justice and and um, to represent it well so yeah I didn't feel um I didn't feel less pressure or more pressure I just was like game to do it again how did you uh how did you do at the World Cups in 2008 before the World Championships? I can't remember. Um I so this is for me when I look back on how did my BMX kind of career sort of fall apart. Um not fall apart, but I think you know I could have done a lot more than I did in terms of going to more races, but at the time like I said British Cycling was trying to establish 
this um, oiled machine and it was like started like focusing, right, we'll do this World Cup, that World Cup and, you know, we'll cater here and all that. So I kind of got swallowed up in that system of like, yeah, yeah, I don't need to race. I just need to be good at the World Championships and blah, blah. But actually, as I look back, like I've become more scared, like just like not as race sharp. Yeah. Um, and all these things, like the wheels started to come off slowly over time. Um, but I think every race that I entered, like I pretty much, I think I pretty much won in 2008 as well. Um, yeah, it was pretty much it. So I don't know what the World Cups were back then, but every one I entered, I won. Um, but yeah, I can't remember. I can't fully remember where, what they were. <laughs> I do know the stat that you won the World Cup title. So, you know, we got that stat online. I think the World Cups were like, yeah. <laughs> I think the one in Madrid was men only, but then there was like Adelaide and Copenhagen and stuff. So you won those ones? Yeah, I won Copenhagen. I didn't go to Adelaide. Yeah, we did race Copenhagen. How, I, won, I won in Copenhagen. How good was Copenhagen though? How good was that oh, race? The best. Oh, that is yeah, like, that was so good. I wish they'd brought it back because that is just the OG Supercross. You guys mm. don't know how much I wish I got to race there. There's such a cool race because the city is so yeah. cool too. Yeah. Pretty sure like the, I don't know if it was the Prince of Denmark or something would come watch. Yeah, yeah, it was. I yeah. think it was a Prince. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, really cool. Yeah, it was. It was good. Yeah, definitely there's a miss on the calendar. Yeah, that was my first ever. Super. Yeah. Yeah, that was my first ever World Cup I went to was in Copenhagen. Wow. Yeah, um, no, it was, it was good. Um, so yeah, you won all your races and you head into 2008 and that's kind of like the, are the worlds in China. That's kind of like the last tune up before the O show. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, do you want to go, do you want to go there yet with the Olympics? All right. Let's just, let's just go there. Let's get into it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's just get it over. And all right. It. All right. So um, obviously yeah. you're two, you won two world championships heading into Beijing and you won them, like you killed them. So you won them by a lot. So everyone's thinking you're just. Basically, everyone's thinking yeah. you're a lock for the Olympics in Beijing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and then um, I guess I did. I just thought it was, you know, going to be like another bike race, and I would get there and turn up, perform, and go home, and hopefully. Um, and I still remember this so so clearly. The final, I remember walking up the stairs, like regardless of how the day went, because I crashed twice before the final yeah. anyway. So where, what, what rounds did you crash in? Because I remember you crashed early in the day or something, right? Time, time. I actually crashed in the time trial on my own, oh, which shit. was, um, yeah, quite embarrassing. And then I crashed on the second moto and tore my hamstring. Oh, shit. And they said to me, no one, nobody knew this there, but they, the, um, the paramedic said to me, like if you like said to British cycling, we can't allow her to race. If she races, like we, the insurance and everything's void. Like we've said that she can't race. And I was just like, there's no way, like I'll be fine. Just get some tape, strap me up and I'm going, like yeah. I'm racing the final. Um, cause I, I nearly didn't make it into the, I nearly didn't make the final. I made, I was the last place qualifier. I think like got the last spot in the main, um, because I'm a point. And then I was just like, uh, and if, so yeah, yeah. So I crashed twice, but I just remember there's two things that I remember, and it's the first thing I remember was I now know, and from that day on, I know what um, a panic attack is. And the second thing is like <laughs> my life when I walked up the stairs and was like, I looked at the finish line and thought my life's going to change. Like, and I, I was like, I'm going to become Olympic champion. I'd already played it out all in my head. Uh, this is how insane it is. I was like, I'm going to be Olympic champion and my life's going to change and I'm going to quit BMX and 
I was just like, this sort of stuff had never, ever gone through my head. And I was just like, yeah, just, just totally not in the now. I was like, yeah, just getting oh, ahead. Like, yeah. 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 And then, and then in the, so if we go into the racing itself, I'm kind of jumping back into here. But if I go back to the beginning of the racing, I just remember going up the stairs to the, to the time trial. And I said to Grant, like my coach at the time, I was like, I can't remember how to do a gate start. And he was like laughing. This is when we were like warming up. And he was like laughing. Before the time trial, you said? Yeah, before the time trial. And he was just like laughing. Yeah, yeah. Like my starts were really good. And I was just like, no, honestly, Grant. I said, I don't, I can't remember like how to do it. Like my legs feel like really heavy. And he was just like, looked at me. And I was, he was just like, you'll be fine. Just go, go up. And I remember sitting on the start gate thinking, I can't, I feel like I've got no control over my body. Like I just feel like just, just like an out of body experience. It was like so surreal. And then I crashed in that first race. Um, and then that's when I kind of knew like after that, like this is what anxiety can do. It's, it's debilitating it. You know, I couldn't even like think straight or, you know, I was talking, just talking at a million miles an hour and like, yeah. And the only time I felt good of that whole Olympics was the final. Like every race, I didn't know, like I was questioning things. And then in the final, I finally felt like, right, I can, I feel all right again. But I, I tore my hamstring. So that was, yeah, that wasn't great. And then I was winning and, you know, the rest is history. So, yeah. So I can't, I, a long time ago, I watched the race, but you're obviously yeah. whole shotting and then, and Caroline passed you. And so you were in second. And so going into, yeah. go, obviously, I think at that point, like, were you just thinking gold or nothing, like going into the last corner? Yeah, I get asked this question still a lot now. Would you Would you have gone for, why didn't you just keep, would you have, if you could change back the time, would you do it all again? Would you sit in silver and try and pass it down the last straight? Or would you go for, you know, would you have done the same thing? And like, I can honestly say, for me at the time, I'd never raced on the back, so I had no experience to try and pass someone which was pretty sad getting that far into my career, never ridden from the back rail or from behind, really. So I didn't have that skill set, and we, we left that stone unturned, I guess. And then the second thing was, I seen an opportunity that I thought I could have made happen, and for me, I was there for a gold medal. Regardless of anything, I wanted to have tried to go for a gold medal. Um, and, yeah, I did that move, and looking back now, I'm like, what an idiot. But at that time... And in them circumstances, I would do the same again um, because it was gold or nothing for me. Yeah, I feel like when people say those or ask those questions, like when you're in the moment like that, you're there for you're there for one reason. You're you're there to win a bike race. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't line up. Yeah. Saying, okay, I like obviously yes, a podium would be great, but you're not if someone like yourself, you're not there to say okay, I just want to get top three. You're there to say I'm I'm here to win, and you're going to try mm-hmm. to do everything you can yeah. at that point to get that. Yeah, hundred percent. Like you don't sit, you don't go and do your sprints and all your training and the hours in the gym. So yeah, I'd like to get a podium. Like I put all that effort in and sacrifice to be the best in the world. So yeah, it was just for me. It was a, a simple decision to make, but yeah, not didn't really end that well. <laughs> I think too, if you had if you had not gone for it where you thought an opening was and just got a silver every time you looked at the silver medal in your life, you'd wonder mm-hmm. what could have happened and you'd probably look at it in disgust. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And this is this is what I say. Like I'd sit there and think, "What if? Like yeah. at least I don't have mm-hmm. anything to look at, and I can go. I don't have to question what if. I, I went for it, um, and it ended up being 
Like I thought it would, and off the back of that, it ended up being like the biggest thing for me financially, which isn't why we do it. But financially, I got like massive sponsors because they really admired my story of going for gold. Um, and yeah, I thought I'd just be kind of chucked to the side. But yeah, I was the kind of the Olympic champions and all their sponsors they were getting, they were taking me on board as well. So I was just like super fortunate and grateful that um that people took it you know took it well how is that how is that mentally because you probably hadn't lost a race in a long time up until that point yeah i think like again if i look back is when you say you know how the, the wheels started falling off i was like i came home from there um and you'll, we'll get into my mental health stuff a little bit later but when i came home from there like they treated us like a piece of shit on the aeroplane. Like, so we got to the aeroplane um, to go home and they were like, gold medalist this way, which was like uh, first class and business class. Silver medalist, like get another section of the plane. And um, then they were like, everybody else, Fuck. basically like, cattle Brutal. Pass, right? so, <laughs> that's, that's yeah, oh literally. my God, jeez. And I was just, and I, cause I tore my hamstrings. Like I was in so much, pain like I couldn't I couldn't um bend my leg so I was just like there's no way that I, I said to the guys on like, the airplane I was like I'm, I know I haven't won a medal I said but I really can't sit in the in the cattle class basically so he was like no sorry and like just shut the curtain and I was just like fuck's sake so then uh, when all the parties started going off because they all got um champagne and everything on the plane we got nothing that all the other lot didn't get nothing <laughs> Um, I was just like, right. So oh, I like sounds like a just, nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> it was honestly, it was terrible. And so I snuck in when everyone was getting pissed, and I just like put my head down on someone's on someone's like bed and just went to sleep. But then when I got back off the plane, got home, I ended up getting rushed to hospital. I had a blood clot in my leg, um, and yeah, my leg was like huge, like massive, and I had this big blood clot, and ended up having to have all my blood thinned and. Yeah, it was just the whole of the Olympics was, for me, just like, yeah, it was just not good. Wow. I, I wanted to go back to that yeah. comment you made about you, you you were so dominant, you're always winning all the time that you really didn't have the experience basically coming from behind. And I think that's, mm-hmm. that's something big that a lot of younger riders have a hard time with when they step up into the elite class, even nowadays, where they can be so dominant at a young age. But when it comes to elite, like even if you're winning at the time, there's eventually going to be a point where you're not in the lead. It's just the way our mm-hmm. sport works, right? And I think it's yeah. hard for some people to learn, like, because you get put in situations where it's like, for you, it was just happened to be the biggest race at the time, and it's like, okay, mm-hmm. now you have to try to learn something new at the time, and I think that's that's tough, and that's something interesting, I think, for younger kids to learn is like you got to learn how to race from the back as well. Ah, uh, like a hundred percent, and I think. Like, even when I was doing the coaching with Beth and Stephanie, I'd put them in uncomfortable positions. Like, it's no good just working, you know, on, on the things that you enjoy and what you're good at. Like, I'd put them in uncomfortable positions. And I'd say, even to Marcus with some of the guys, like, I'd say, okay, why aren't you doing this? And I'd question things, like, about, like, what, why Marcus was doing things. Not questioning, but just say, have you thought about doing it this way? And, you know, some of our guys, without naming the names, struggle in a pack. Um, and I was like, why aren't you guys replicating this in training so it becomes the norm when they come to race um and i guess that for me is because i never that was never kind of um facilitated for me when i was training to be in them uncomfortable positions and if it had been you know i probably would have done something completely different um but yeah so i think yeah a lot of people do struggle 
if they've always been dominant um, in the amateur class, that when they get into elite, they're definitely not going to be leading all the races, and then they, they struggle in the pack. Mm-hmm. How is it uh, getting through the Olympic disappointment and, and recovering physically and getting back on the bike and training and racing after Beijing? Um, it was like one of the hardest things. Like I bet, yeah. You know, I have a picture of me crashed in the last turn, and I'm just looking up and like into to nowhere, really. And I do honestly feel like that day, and it sounds deep or whatever, but I felt like something died in me that day. Like it's hard to it's hard to explain. Like because if if the fact like the psychology behind why I wanted to be the best stems from my dad being a failure. Um, like he's just a waste of time. Like he he's not been in my life, kind of for like well, never. He's never been in my life, um, but gave me great genetics. Um, and I just felt like the biggest wasted space. And I just you know, I just felt like yeah. something literally did die within me that day. Um, you know, would it have been like like my my fire or determination or whatever it was? I was never the same, the same racer again. Like I went on and won stuff and everything else, but I was never the same from there, really. Hmm. That's interesting. What, yeah. What, what helped you work through that then? Because obviously, moving forward in your career, mm-hmm. you wanted to have more success moving forward. So what yeah. was it that got you through that period? Yeah. And like, what, what did you feel like you, you lost? Like that really huge desire or... I don't know, like, I just, like, I went home and I stayed in my room for four and a half months. I um, didn't leave. I went back to stay at my mum's house. I had my house, but didn't go back. I did not leave the bedroom. I just, like, shower, eat in my room, like, just, like, completely depressed. Like, didn't want to be here anymore. I just felt like I'd, like, because I got, like, two comments. I had thousands and thousands of amazing messages. And somebody sent me a comment and... They said, um, you're a waste of taxpayers' money. You should go to hell, bitch. And then the other oh one God. was, um, wh- like, what a, like, what a joke you were. Um, you're just a piece of shit. And I just went in. Like, I don't know. I didn't know who these people were. And I was just like, I, I don't want to be here anymore. Like, I didn't mean to, you know, everyone who's put money into me, I didn't mean to do, do what I did. And I just felt like, yeah, I don't know, just, just didn't. I, I, that's when I went through a really bad depression for them few months. Um, and then coming out of it, like it was just like the team of British Cycling helped and my grandparents and, and everything else. And it was almost like I went back into it because I never knew anything else. Like I was just like, well, I know how to win a bike race. Um, so I'll just get back on the horse and, and, you know, carry on. But I just never felt the same desire that I, that I felt before that really it's hard to explain it did you uh did you work with a psychologist to get through mm-hmm. yeah um, I worked with uh, Dr. C. Peters who's you know he's one of the best psychiatrists in um, Great Britain works with a lot of people um and I worked with him and yeah it helped it helped it, but you know internally I just still felt yeah it just I don't I just yeah something something was missing like from my racing, when I look back and, and look back over them years, I just remember not feeling quite the same. Yeah, wow. That would be tough to go through. Yeah, that's wild. Especially yeah. when you're trying to continue to compete in that and whatnot. It's just because uh, you'd probably thought, yeah. of, you'd probably, because you'd won so much and you'd thought of the Olympics for so long. And then it's just like, you. I'm sure you'd never pictured it going any other way. And then it just changed. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be 
Yeah. Awfully difficult. But it, but it was a great learning lesson in life that there's no guarantees of anything. And I yeah. think the, you know, the, the, the lessons that BMX taught me in, in just to live a normal life now was massive. Like, you know, I think maybe I was just been, I was very immature and, and seeing things more black and white, but yeah, I just think like a lot of the stuff that I, I, I guess like I never really lost a bike race. There's not many bike races that I lost throughout my whole career. And then for it to happen on the biggest day, of my BMX career, it was just like, it was just hard. It was, yeah, it was just hard, really hard. So when you started, when you started training and racing again, like, did you already, did you want, re- uh, it might be a dumb question, but did you already want redemption mm-hmm. on the Olympics or were you just thinking more short term or what was your kind of motivation um, for getting back on the bike? I just wanted to um, prove to myself that I still was the best because I started self-doubting myself thinking, well, and I remember Anne Caro, she shook my hand after the final, right, Tori? And she and I said like congratulations like well done and um, she says yeah and you'll never race me again and I was like ah <laughs> like I was just like <laughs> no redemption there's no way that I could ever race her again and I was just like thanks for that thanks um, <laughs> oh, so, God just so pour just, salt on my wound yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah so I just I got back on because I wanted to be back to being world champion again. Um, and just to, you know, just to kind of make up for, for the Olympics really is, and come back and say, well, I still am the best in the world. I just didn't win on that day. So that's what motivated me at that time to get back. Did it feel the same when you won again? Uh, cause then in 2009, I won the first world cup and then I crashed on the BMX training at home. So I missed the whole of 2009 with, I had shoulder surgery. Um, and then 2010, so I hadn't really done nothing in 2009. And 2010 is when we'll get onto it. I started really developing the fear of Supercross. Um, and then I won, I won South Africa World, and that felt probably one of the best wins of my life in South Africa um, because I was scared of Supercross. All that shit had happened with the Olympics and then everything else. And when I won that, I was just like, yeah, I think I was just shocked, really. Instead of feeling like this confident, strong person that I'd always kind of felt like I was doubting myself all day. And, and then to win it, I was just like, okay, maybe I am, you know, still pretty good at this BMX. Whereas it's, before that, I was just like, nah, I'm past it, I'm rubbish and, and everything else. What, what, what happened? Like, how did you develop the fear of Supercross and, and that, that kind of thing? This is, if anyone could ever have helped me with this, I would still be racing BMX because <laughs> I, um, I love, like, I love the sport of BMX. I absolutely love it. Like, even when I go to, like, the track now, I'd, I'd literally come back at, and add, um, what's his name? What was Sam Willoughby's coach's name? Sean Dwight. He asked me, actually, in Australia this year, like, just come out of retirement. Like, you look in great shape out of retirement and literally I'd come out of retirement in a heartbeat if I didn't have a fear of the supercross hill like I have and really I've seen many psychologists and yeah like so obviously I could go down the supercross hill and I could jump the first jump and I developed this thing and it was when Stephen Murray become paralyzed and then I had a few other friends become paralyzed through mountain biking and I just developed this I still like I can't and I can't explain it. I, the only way I can kind of explain it is: Do you know our diver Tom Daly? Uh, yeah, like he, I mean, not yeah. person, but not personally, but I know who but he yeah. is. Yeah, 
Yeah, he developed a similar thing where he couldn't jump off the 10 meter diving board. Really? Like he just couldn't do it. Wasn't he Olympic? Yeah, he, he was Olympic it. champion too, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He and wow. he developed it for ages. Like he was getting help for it the same time I was. Like he had this. I don't know what went on fully with him, but he couldn't jump off the 10 meter diving board. Something would stop him. And this happened to me like in 2010. Um, I obviously won the world, but I hadn't been going down the supercross hill. Like I, like if I had a Manchester where was my training track. I'd never gone and jumped the first jump. Like I just couldn't do it. Wow. Um, I'd be going home in tears, and everyone would be like, "Oh my god!" Like you know what's what's happening with her, and it just got worse and worse and worse and worse. So, and so in South Africa, they were like, "You go, go in the world," and because I could do it a race like it was this is the other thing and I, I, I've never really spoken to people about this but I'd go to the race and when my back was against the wall and I had to do it I'd just do it so um, I went there and then I was just like okay, I've got to do it like everyone's watching me and then so I do it and then I won and then I, it was going on like that and I'd go back home I couldn't do it and then same in 2012 like in 2012 I had not been that the first time I jumped the first jump was it the World Championships in in um, Birmingham in the first moto? I didn't even jump in the <laughs> practice. Not oh once. Oh my god! Really? Not wow. once. Yeah, it was that. It was like that bad. And um, I just like, and then I, I ended up. Well, I ended up crashing out in the semi final in um, Birmingham World, but I was still able to to win the. Like, I was still winning the races, and it was just like. I could never explain it, and the psychologist had tried everything with me, and I just guess I had that that fear of it, and and that's what ended my. That's the only reason why I stopped racing BMX. Wow! So, like, would you? I know sometimes with anxiety is hard because you there's no like rational reason or specific reason. Mm. But did you like? Were you really scared to just crash, or was it just you get up there and like your heart would race and you just couldn't do it? Yeah, just freeze. Like I yeah. could just completely freeze. I couldn't do it, um, and I just yeah, I just had this big thing in my head about becoming paralysed, which was totally irrational because yeah. I hadn't, you know, I'd never crashed on the first jump before, um, and yeah, I was, and it, it just tore me to bits because I knew that I was still training super hard. I knew that I was good on my back, like I still was like getting better on my bike and and everything else, and I just just couldn't do it, and it was. Yeah, that's what that's what stopped me BMX, and even like getting back in shape again. And I've been riding my bike at the BMX track. I can still ride my bike, probably better now. Actually, I've lost a lot of weight, and it's just frustrating. But I just try not to go back there because I'm just like, yeah, it just gets me gets me frustrated that that's what ended my career when everyone was like, when I was younger, everyone, I used to jump all the big jumps first, yeah. and you know, and 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 I used to love jumping, but yeah. That, that's what um, that's what it all came down to, really. Yeah, wow. It's pretty. People find that a little bit surprising because, yeah, you're right. People saw you as the girl who won, the girl who had all the skill jumping to begin with. Yeah, so they don't see what's mm-hmm. going on inside the head. They don't see that's that. Oh, part of yeah, that. and it's it's crazy because from the outside, everyone's like, "What's Shanae's doing? Like, she's the best in the world. She's so much yeah. skill. What's what she's scared of?" But. Yeah, and often you can't explain it. And I'm sure it was really frustrating because you obviously know that too about yourself, that you're capable of that mm-hmm. and doing great things. And you just, you had that. Yeah, like, yeah, it's, it's hard. And I've, I've learned to like accept things and let things go more now because if not, it would, it led to what I'll talk about happened when I retired fully. And um, like 
three years ago um, is when I let all of this like come on top of me and I ended up having like a breakdown. Um, but we'll go on to that a little later. But yeah, it was it was it was hard, really hard to go through because even now I, I go to like a BMX race now. I'm like because I recently came out of retirement and went back onto the track and I was pretty much the fastest on the track program. And I, <laughs> of course they, you were. <laughs> made a mis- <laughs> they made a mistake. Um, they made a mistake. So I couldn't go to the world championships because I hadn't gone to a UCI race. So this is all a long story, but I'll cut it very short. Um, so I was meant to go to the world championships. I got selected for team sprint, but because I wasn't eligible to go, they hadn't read the rule change. They had to send a slower team. And then they didn't qualify for the Olympics or else I would have been going to the Olympics in team sprint next well this year. That was the plan. Um, but I still think like I watch the Leafs and everybody else and yeah, I really appreciate and respect the class. But I just think if I was fully back into it and on my bike and could have got over the fear of the starter, I, I definitely think I could be, you know, uh, one of the top contenders again. So before the Olympics and uh, in London, like, did you, were you, did you race 2011? I can't, it was so long ago. I don't remember now, but the year before the Olympics, how'd you do? And how'd you do leading into London? Um, I didn't race. Well, I raced maybe 2011. I raced a few. Oh, the world championship. I got injured before that. So I smashed my face pretty hard when I was training in Norway. And um, so I didn't end up going to the world championships. And then I went, I moved to America. That's when I moved to the States. Um, cause I was like, I need to get out of British cycling. I need to, you know, I need to just walk around my bike and enjoy it. So that's when I moved to Canada, uh, to, um, what's it called? <laughs> California. Sorry. Um, and <laughs> yeah. And then I just, that, that's the whole season was a write off. And how'd you feel going into the 2012? Was it a big question mark? How you were going to feel <laughs> and everything? No, I was sorry. I was over it. Honestly, like <laughs> this is this is like the thing. I was like, I was like, whatever. If I can get to that start line and get on the the hill, so I missed all the open days of the testing that everybody got. But then um, the UCI gave me one day on the track to you know to practice on the track. You you had these like, opportunities to ride, and I'd missed them because I was injured. And then I went for one day and we had an hour on the track to practice the track and I jumped the first jump once at the, on the last go and that's all I got. And then I went back home, didn't jump on Manchester's Hill. And then the first time that I jumped again was at the Olympics. So I was just like, you know what? <laughs> like, I, I just wow. think, like, I just, if, if I get, I'll just get there and I'll take whatever I can take because I'm not prepared for this race at all. It's a home Olympic Games. Nobody has a clue that I, I I don't actually ride down a supercross hill, and I was just like, whatever. Honestly, it was just like, well, I'll take whatever you give me, and that's mm. how it was, which is really sad. Was it tough to race a home Olympics? No, because I had no expectations <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> I was just like, I'm here, like, and yeah, and I, I think like if I look at it, I didn't actually go that bad. I got um, second in the first heat to Caroline. And then won the second two. So I got, yeah, second, first, first. And then went in with the fastest lap time going into the main. And I was just like, well, that's a, that's a shock because I don't <laughs> even know how I'm even here. And then, yeah. And then, so in the final, yes, I, obviously I was devastated at the time, but nowhere near like Beijing. 
at Beijing, I felt like I'd done absolutely everything. Yeah. Um, and then London, I was obviously upset that I, you know, didn't get a medal. But I was just like, well, I've just got to yeah. take it for what it is and be grateful. Were you really nervous mm-hmm. before the final, being in lane one and everything? No. Do you know what? Everyone's like saying, oh, you're switching on the gate. Like, I used to switch on, like, because how I would start, I'd have, a, like, a lot of force going through um, my starting leg. And I'd always kind of switch. Yeah. And people say, oh, you look really nervous. And I was like, honestly, like, what went through my head? is when I was in Beijing, I felt like the red counter, it, it was like kind of going into the red, like I was like a bull in a china shop. <laughs> and I just thought, if I just be more calmer in the in London, then it would be sweet. Like I just got to get a nice start and, and get out and do my thing. Well, I was a bit too calm. And then, what's her name? Leticia cut me off and it ended up messing her up or else we both could have gone into the first turn, first and second. But instead we got fifth and sixth in the final. Um, and then, yeah, that was it. But I wasn't, I wasn't nervous. I was excited. You know, real, athlete, real, real athletes get fifth of the O show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the truth. Yeah. Real athletes get fifth. <laughs> oh. So was that, was that one tough to go through after or obviously nothing like Beijing you said? Yeah, no, I checked out then. Yeah. I, I was, I knew that was, I knew that was me checking out. I was like, no, I'm, I didn't, I didn't know like at that point, I didn't know who I was, what I was. And, I was just like, I'm done. Yeah. So I pretty much left the program. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of did bits and pieces. But I just knew that I was, I just, I felt like I didn't deserve to be there as well. So I was like, you know, I need to be honest with myself and say I can't do this sport anymore um, and start looking at what I can do. But then you did race, the, you did race the next year though. Yeah. And yeah, two yeah. Cups. yeah, you won Manchester the next year. Oh yeah, yes I did. Oh I yeah, um, <laughs> it was. Um, you know, like it was. It was. Um, I forget. Like you know, my career. Like there's certain parts that I just put blanks on and just forget. And um, but I did come back because I wanted to overcome the fear of the start ill, and I kept trying all these different ways. And, and then in Manchester, I did actually have it. I, I thought I had it dialed and I could do it. But then take me to another track and I couldn't do it. And I was just like, yeah. I ended up, so I ended up winning that World Cup, and then I can't remember what else happened that year. Um, but yeah, it just, just all, it's all a blur because I just wish that I just didn't develop that fear, and then, yeah, I could have still been still racing or done a lot better towards the end of my career. This is a weird question, but we have the discussion that they're t- turning all these first jumps into tabletops and whatnot. Mm-hmm. When do you think that could have? Would that have made a difference for the fear you had? And two, do you agree with that, or do you think it should still be a big double? I so I think the way the jumps are now, like most of the World Cups I've been attending, I'd be fine with like going down that ramp. Do I think it's the way it should go? No, definitely not, because I think Supercross is meant to do what it did to not meant to do what it did to me, but it's meant to separate the men from the mice, so to speak, because yes. it's Supercross is the pinnacle of our sport. And it shouldn't be easy, like, but at the same time, like, yeah, it would help me in my position that I was in if it was more like that. So I remember going to Chula Vista thinking, wow, what is, what, how big is that first jump? Um, but now they're all just pretty mellow. Um, but yeah, I do think, I do think um, from a spectator's point of view, the jump still should be big. Oh, you know what? Round of applause for that answer. <laughs> it's so true. Like that's, we were talking about this yeah. in our intro, but that's the, top of the sport that's the pinnacle that's the one percent of the one percent that's the elite like supercross yeah. isn't meant for kids it's just not mm-hmm. yeah 
100%. Like, it's, it's not. It's a professional Olympic discipline. So why it shouldn't be where, you know, you get a 13-year-old that can whiz down the ramp and jump the jump. Um, yeah. So, yeah. That's my opinion on it. Yeah, I think Supercross should still be challenging for junior riders. Yeah, I I think so too because it's a stepping stone. Yeah. So looking back back to back to your career now, (laughs) when Mm -hmm. was it then? So after 2012, I mean, you still raced 2013, won two World Cups. When did you kind of feel like it was time to stop? Because those were your last World Cups in 2013. Mm Hmm. Um, I think after that, I um, I pretty much like fizzled. I started fizzling out, and then I had a shoulder surgery. Let me just think. That would have been. I ended up having another reconstruction of my shoulder, so that was a sixth operation that I had. And I was told that if you crash on it again, that you could lose the use of your arm and and stuff. And I was just like, all right. I'm, I saw British Cycling just said they'll no longer um, support me as an athlete because. He thought that, you know, I was going to start, I could have ended up giving myself a permanent, like doing permanent damage and the way my attitude was. And and it all just, yeah, just that's when I kind of called it a day at the end of that year. When did you stop? End of 2014, was it? Yeah, end of 2014. Was it a hard decision or was it at that point, do you know it was time? Um, I think I knew, like I knew it was time, like, I just thought it was it was just kind of how British Cycling kind of dealt with it and everything else wasn't the best because I actually hadn't, because I, I was doing track cycling then, I actually hadn't fully checked, wanted to retire, but they forced me to say that I wanted to retire. Um, and I didn't, yeah, just didn't appreciate how it all happened. Um, but yeah, that's just, just the way it is. I guess there's never any easy way to, to tell someone that they're, you know, they no longer got a position on the program. Yeah. Yeah. Especially a top girl like yourself. Like how are you supposed to say to someone that just won two world cups? <laughs> mm. But yeah, I appreciate, I, re- I, re- I appreciate and respect for what they did. And, and then after, after that is when, um, yeah, life started getting pretty dark for me after then. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, but it's made me who I am today and I'm super, Kind of, I'm, I'm grateful that I went through what I went through after, after when I retired. Um, it was, yeah, it wasn't. It was no easy place to be, um, and I never thought I'd get out of it. So, yeah, I'm just really grateful that I'm happy and healthy um, now. Really, what did you What did you go through in that time? Um, so I don't know if you've if you've seen the recent pictures when I put the before and after of me losing like four stone in body weight. Um, so I, I keep this as no secret because I feel like at first I felt very ashamed and very embarrassed about, um, what I actually ended up happening. But now I talk because if it helps anybody else out there or, you know, anyone can relate and I, I want to be open and honest about it. So I basically ended up going into AA, um, Alcoholics Anonymous. So I ended up, um, being like a full blown alcoholic for, like three years, two, like two or three years, um, and gained loads of weight. Didn't do anything. Like just basically, like lost my relationship. The one I was in, um, I was just an absolute like just a mess, and I just felt like a failure. And and all these things that we've been speaking about, I kind of always put the helmet on and got on the bike and ran away from, you know, my demons and everything else. And then when I was, you know, left 
to you know to kind of think what do I want to do with my life I didn't I, I didn't I really didn't know like I didn't know what who I was as a person like as a bike rider I knew exactly who I was you know I was a I was you know passionate about my sport and I wanted to be a winner but when it then that was taken away I was just like I really I just don't know what to do um, so I ended up going into therapy and, and then started the um, AA program of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, and then, yeah, without getting too much into it, um, like found a higher power and, and everything else. And then I live my life um, very simply now. And, and it's, I'm now three and a half years away from my last drink. So I don't touch alcohol at all anymore. Good for you. Um thank you I appreciate that and it's the best decision I've ever made and and through the program it's, it goes a lot deeper but you you know you work on what the 12-step program and I worked on that and discovered who I was as a person what I was about um so giving up alcohol was the easy bit and then it, it was just some life lessons and it's the best thing that I've ever done and I have a completely different out, different outlook on life now Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. That's awesome. I have so much respect for Thank people that, that go through those kind of struggles. We all have our own struggles. I went through mine for years as mm-hmm. well. And so to, I know how hard it is to work through that stuff and get through it. And uh, you definitely get a newer, better appreciation for life once you're through it. Oh, yeah. Like so much so. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And just meeting some of the people that I've met in, in AA as well. It's like, these are good hearted people and some of them are actually without, you know, with this anonymity of, of who they are, but some of them are actually, some of them are from Olympic backgrounds. Some of them are played for Man United and all these people that you don't even realize, um, are in these, you know, in these meetings that I go to, I still do two meetings every week on a Monday and Friday. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, yeah. The, and when I talk to some of them people, that I've been to the Olympics themselves and been Olympic champions, they they get it. Like, they completely get how, and, and very similar stories. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's something that I don't go shouting from the rooftops, but if it helps anybody, just, you know, just reach out and, and ask for help, and, and you can get through it. For sure. And generally, people who go through this stuff are just normal, good people. Mm-hmm, 100%. I thought, I thought this is my, I thought I would turn up to an AA meeting and it would be like people with brown paper bags and you know like looking like tramps the no. only person who looked like a tramp was me like I just felt <laughs> like a piece of shit um, but yeah these people are like business owners and yeah. you know like yeah a lot of so. time too the most successful people in the world deal with really bad anxiety or, or have these issues because a lot of times too people like the reason people are so successful is because they just strive per- for perfection and we're so hard on ourselves when we don't have to be. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And it's like a common trait within a kind of the people that are addicts. It's great being an addict in or having an addictive personality because it's what made me so successful, but then it can be a, it can be a curse at times as well. Yeah. I mean, it got you to where you were in your sport, but then yeah, it can, mm. it's a double-edged sword too at, at certain times. Yeah, for, for sure. And so I was just looking at your career a little bit more too. You came back and raced a little bit of track some more. Um, was that something you did yeah. just because you were passionate about the sport or uh, what was the, the idea behind coming back for, I guess, was it last year you raced track? 
Yeah, like I came back so, to the, my recent, so I retired. I, I hate this retiring. It sounds like I'm just dropping and out, but like I came. <laughs> so basically, I, when I got well and I started losing weight and, and looking better and, and everything else and eating it, I was working still for British Cycling over the other side, not the performance side, but the, like the education side and everything else. And the performance director was like, Sinead, you're looking really good shape and blah, blah, blah. And I said, thank you. And um, he said, um, would you ever consider coming back? And I was just like, hell no, like, no, I'm fine, thank you. Like, I've, I've, you know, I've worked hard to build the life that I've got now, I'm good. So then he asked me another two times. And on the third, and the second time I was getting pushed off. And then on the third time, I was like, you know what? Let me think about it. And I came back every time uh, I came back to the track cycling because I wanted to, as we spoke about how everything fizzled out and everything else, I wanted to end my career on my terms and look back and be proud how I ended my, my career. So the opportunity came about to do the team sprint. Um, I said, I'll come back on the program if A, I don't get funded, I don't want no money for, for this. And I said, all I want is the as a kit and bike, and that is it. Like just everything else, let me cover, and I just want to do things how I want to do them. And they were like, oh right, yeah, that was great for them. It's not going to cost them anything. Um, so I came back, and within like three months, I hadn't rode any sort of bike for three years, um, and I was like the fastest person in in the woman one position. Um, and then, like I said, it all ended up not working out. Um, because they made a mistake with the rule change. But I've got national champion. Um, and I sat there and was just so happy and content how I conducted myself over them months that I was back on the programme and then just how I integrated with, like, the sports psych and everything else. And, and that was the true me. Like, and, and I'm glad they got to see how I actually was as a person, not this. You know this image they had in their head from when I last exited the program of you know I was late and so the they got to see the professional me and who I truly was and I've still got the relationship going with them now so yeah it was it was about more than just returning just because of you know Olympic opportunity it was about doing it on my terms. Yeah, that's really cool. I like that kind of story where it was for you and you only, and that's how I think mm-hmm, it should be. 100%. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. often. Uh, we feel like we have to, you know, all these people are investing money. We feel like we have to do it for them. But at the end of the day, you're racing for yourself and you always have to remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it should be you that's on that start line and, and you can control things. Like, and I used to say that to Beth, like if people, you know, as a coach, there's only so much you can do, but you can't hold your hand on the start gate. It's just you and, you know, and yourself up there and you just got to yeah, be resilient and strong. What a story. Yeah, what a story! (laughs) No, it's cool because you're a few years older than me, obviously. But I, uh, once I came onto the scene, I always um, obviously followed your progress and stuff. And so it's kind of interesting to you know hear the blanks filled in because obviously I just saw you at the races and whatever, and I didn't realize you know all this other stuff went on and everything. It was really fascinating to hear. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Just to you know, just to tell my story. And, and yeah, I did have a great 20 years in the sport of BMX. And I do, like, now I'm not coaching Beth and stuff. I do really miss it, just, like, the planning side and, and stuff. So, yeah, it'd be good to, to get back out there with some other athletes and hopefully see you both around at the World Cup. Whenever these things get started back up again, yeah, that'd be lovely, eh? <laughs> yeah, whenever, yeah, whenever it does. How, how old were you when you retired? 
27, 27. Ah, uh, great year, great year to retire. Yeah. <laughs> great age. After all the back great ones. age. That's where like all the OGs retire at 27. <laughs> you see, that's the best time. Cause like, you're like late twenties, yeah. but you're, you're late twenties, but you're still young. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. You still got so much time. Ah. Oh. Smart lady, smart lady. <laughs> uh, James, anything else? You got what, what else we got? Uh, we got some quick shots for you, Shanae. Are you familiar with yeah. the uh, I quick guess, shot question? First of all, Shanae, any anything else you want to touch on about your story before you get into quick shots? Yeah, yeah. No, I just think like I'm just I'm just really grateful that you've had me on because I like I obviously did a lot of bit in BMX, but nobody kind of knew, like you said, the blanks and. And stuff, and just to say, like, I think people used to think half the time I was just some like robot or a bruise, or you know, like I was. It was just like at the time, it was just how kind of British cycling made it. Like I wasn't this chatty person going into team tents and stuff like that, and that was never me. So it's just nice to kind of get on and to be, I guess, vulnerable and and to tell my side of it. Yeah, and I mean, everyone that races prepares differently. Like, just because you don't go mm. and talk to other people or whatever, doesn't mean you're not nice or friendly or anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, one of the coolest things I think about doing the podcast is being able to share stories like yours where people don't really know the background and the behind the scenes mm-hmm. stuff. And that's my favorite part where, yeah, you're able to open up and tell your actual story so people can hear it. That's really cool. No, I appreciate it. Yeah. All right, James, fire away. I'll write to you then. <laughs> right, hold on. I got to open up my phone. It locked on me. Oh, all right. I'll start us off. Uh, Go. Oh, <laughs> this is a good one from KB Sipes. Why do all Brits okay. wear shorts while racing? Uh, because they because we did the test years ago and they think it's more aerodynamic. Yeah, but you I, just look like you look like a douchebag. I knew it though. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, now I figured yeah. like, when you actually use shorts and shin pads, you can move way easier too. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. Uh, from Max Ganikovsky, what was your favorite win of your career? My favorite win of my career. Oh. There's a lot of different ones, but I think probably South Africa just because of what I was kind of going through yeah. in 2010. Yeah. Proved yourself. You could still do it. Yeah. Um, from, Jesus, IQ Balsing Photo. What is the best gift? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, is the best gift you, what is the best gift you have been given? Uh, best gift I've ever been given? Um... Uh, I don't even know. Mm. That's interesting. Can, 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 can I skip that one and pa- pass and come back to it? Yeah, if you think of something. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, next one here. Again. We kind of talked about this, but I'm going to change it up just a bit. So it's from J. Rowe BMX. Um, how would you sum up your first experience at the World Championships in 2007? Um, how do I sum it up? Um, I think... It was just a true taste of what, of what, um, like that world championship was amazing in 2007. Def- like in Canada, it was so cool. But I think it was just like, that was the start of my elite career, I guess. So it was a place that I'll always remember. I'm going to go actually, Amanda's got some um, family that live in Victoria. So I want to go back and actually visit the track and go and live. Where it kind of, yeah, go back over the memories again next year. Oh yeah. Come visit. Of course. Cool. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, from Hernandez four six nine, how messy is the kitchen uh, after Stephanie cooks? Wow, um, yeah, 
Stephanie, um, I listened to her <laughs> podcast actually. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, yeah, she's created a lot of mess, a lot of mess, and <laughs> I struggled with that. Um, she seems like she'd I be messy. It's extremely messy, <laughs> and I said to her, "If you're messy like now, like if you've got a messy, like if, if everything's around you is a mess, what do you think's going on in your head? Like it's just." And I struggled with that, so yeah, I used to tell her off quite a lot for the messiness. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right, from Leo's one three four. How did it feel hearing the crowd cheer for you at London twenty twelve? Like unbelievable. I remember coming back into the stands and said to Liam, like Liam's like, How is it? Like so I actually did the time trial before him. And I said, like, honestly, Liam, like you feel like you're being carried, like it was that loud, so like cool. in your chest, you felt like you were being carried around the turns, like and to the point so much so much so to the point I could like you couldn't kind of, do you know when you're in the mindset of like, you know, thousands of people could be screaming, but you're just in that zone. I couldn't even get in the zone because I felt like it was so loud. Wow. And he said similar things. Wow. That's cool. Um, BMX girl four, if you could have your time again, racing BMX, what would you change during your career that you, well, yeah, what would you change? And do you have any regrets? I guess. Um, what would I change? I would change how I, um, how I selected races, I'd just be an all-round uh, racer and not start like you know, kind of pigeonholing races and etc. Like I spoke about, um, and yeah, just riding my bike a lot more and working on the skill side. Do you have any regrets? Uh, but, uh do I have any regrets? Mm. It's a hard question. No, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I do have any regrets because it's all they were all. If I did regret it at the time, I learned from it, so I don't see it as yeah. a regret really. And it's like, how are you supposed to know how to do something better when you've never done when you've never been there before? Like, as long as you're trying your yeah. best, as long as you try your best, how can you possibly regret something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like James in the last corner in in, um, in Australia. Oh, you, tried, you, tried oh you went there. <laughs> <laughs> you went there. Oh, oh my God, his ass now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just I'm takes just James. takes the dagger. Are you shitting me? God, that's awesome. <laughs> Shanae's, what you what you what you think of that one? <laughs> well, well, sorry. What did you say? What, what'd you think of that one? I thought it was. Uh, it was. He was trying. He was like, <laughs> "Give it a good go." Um, that was the nicest way anybody could possibly put it. <laughs> yeah, and that's what you can do, I guess. Learn from it. <laughs> that's it. God, it has exactly. given us. It has given us so much content to talk about. Yeah, it's given us it's some brilliant. great humor too. We literally yeah. had an entire podcast just on the on the corner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <it's- laughs> uh, that moment's gonna live on in history. That, that's for sure. Fuck, that was epic. Yeah. Yeah, that was um, brilliant. Yeah. All right, yeah. Chipo- Chipotle or In and Out? Chipotle. Uh, yeah. Good call. You really can't uh, go wrong with the both of those, though. You no, know, no. I think if you would have asked me when I was younger, I had when I was in the U.S., I had Chipotle like four or five times a week. So I probably would have said Chipotle. But I think now I'm more of an in and out guy. Yeah, I'd take either of them in this lockdown right now. So. Oh, yeah. 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 Tori, doesn't, Tori doesn't have in and out, though. All he has is a patty and some lettuce and a tomato. Protein, That's all his is. Protein styles. They're delicious. You have no, you have no, you have no cheese. You have no sauce. You have nothing. Well, that's, that's, that's good. Protein styles. Yeah. It's good. I like it. 
Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, next one. Any superstitions? Um, I used to always put my left shoe on first and my left glove before every race. I think I always put my left shoe on first, too. Uh, the best ones do, Tori. Yeah, the, the best the ones, best ones do. do. <laughs> they put left shoes on and retire at 27. Yeah. <laughs> and get fifth at the Olympics. <laughs> oh, you know, those are the best. Those are just the best fucking people there are, though. Like, yeah. That's just, yeah. Um, <laughs> Supercross, right hand people. We just t-bone people. <laughs> Supercross or regular? Supercross, Supercross is a spectator. Regular when I race because it's easier. Fair. Uh, what would your dream track look like if you could design your dream track? A dream track would be London's first straight. Um. Mm, yeah, London's first straight, and then I think Happendale's second straight. Then let's keep it nice and mellow here because I used to get start getting tired down the third straight, so I have to pick something <laughs> a bit tame. Um, <laughs> Copenhagen's third straight, and the last straight it can have what it wants. So I just roll through them anyway. Yeah, last straight, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah it doesn't matter. Last straight. Um, I think one last straight should be one pure sprint, like a Oh my God. That'd be so cruel. That'd be so <laughs> tiring. <laughs> Can you imagine like, yeah, look, look at the Paris track. Can you imagine Paris with no yeah. jumps? Just a hundred meter Ooh. sprint. Yeah, that would be oh. hard. And you'd be going like, seven, the test event was pretty much like that. And you'd be going, um, you'd be going 70 K into the back fence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His legs would be looking like wet noodles. Oh my God. That'd be horrific. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually now that I'm not racing, fuck it. Let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'd be good to spectate. Yeah, it would be. I'd love to see it. Uh, what was your favorite race gear like to race with? What um, I used to like forty-one fifteen. Forty-one fifteen. Yeah. With what? What links cranks do you or use? One eight is all the way. Yeah. Um, and then I used what was the other gear? It's forty-six seventeen, was it? Which was what? I think forty-six. I think a forty-three and a half sixteen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you could be a pro in any other sport, what uh, what yeah. sport would it be? Um, hundred meter athletics. I could totally see you doing well in track and field. Because that's what I started with. Yeah. I started in tra- track and field, and then I was just like sick of running around in circles, and, and then I was at BMX at the same time, and then I was like, you know what, I'm planning off athletics. I want to do BMX. Yeah. So yeah. Um, James got another one. We go? Okay, this is one I asked Vincent. It's my debate question lately. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> How oh, yeah. strokes would Silva need to make the world to make the final in the women's class at World Cup? I hate that guy. <laughs> Five. 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 Like, uh, are we talking uh, cranks or full rotations? Full rotations. So he's got to pedal down the ramp to make the, to make the to make the main. Yeah. So he's got to sprint okay. to the first jump because you get four down the ramp yeah. plus one before the first jump, basically. Yeah, I reckon, yeah, sprint to the first jump and then I think you could do it. All I right. don't think, but I just think, you, how many do you say, James, two? I was thinking like, yeah, I, I think like two or to the kink. It depends on the track and it depends on the first jump. I was saying, I think, I, think, I agree. If he, pedal, if he could pedal down the hill, I think he makes the main. Yeah. I think if he pedals to the I think if he pedals to the kink, what did I, was it to the kink I yeah. said? He, he makes like quarter semi maybe. 
Yeah, I don't know. I think like if it was like Manchester indoor. I think like he he pedals like. I, I think it, I think we should do it. I think you should make that happen. I know. Us. I agree. I think you should speak I to your agree. people and make it happen. I need to talk to corporate. Yeah. I need to make this happen. <laughs> Get <to> yeah. Corporate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Another question we ask everyone. Do you, uh, oh, what was it? Was it? Okay. Would you rather do a full lap um, with one chain ring bolt or, or no, no, three to four chain ring bolts or three to four stem bolts? Stem bolts. Whoever answers chain ring bolts, what is wrong with these people? I know. Like, Thank how you. can you do? Uh, how would you even consider using three chain ring bolts? Did the people like, not no, see so the video I posted two weeks ago when I ate shit on my first? Yeah, pedal? exactly. Us people that so, don't have no. as much horsepower as you two. Okay, we just smooth pedal strokes. Yeah, we were. And then <laughs> <laughs> even like it doesn't matter who though. If you have three to four bolts, like. Even if you're a BMXer, you're still putting a ton of watts and you're like, you're still going to shear right through it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've gone with the, um, the stem bolt. Just don't case. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm super smooth anyway, so that's all good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got another one. Uh, we've asked this one too. Um, would you rather win an Olympic gold medal or mm -hmm. three, world, three world championship titles like you have? Oh, because, oh, that's difficult. This is the first time I've uh, asked somebody that actually has three world championships. I've done it. Um, what would I rather do? I would uh, three, I'd do what I did, three gold medals yeah. at the world championships. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, for me, that the Olympics did, I hope the Olympics didn't define my career, but the world championships, because it's every year, um, and being consistent, backing it up, I think, yeah, go for the three world titles. Yeah, how could you turn Sorry. down three world titles? I mean, that's seriously. And also, like, it's like three, like three amazing memories, and like you stand on the podium and your national anthem's playing, and then you get to have an after party when you go home, and yeah, now I'll take three. I'll take three <laughs> world titles. Three big more bonus checks, maybe two. You know, you just live in at that. Point. I was gonna well, say, like, yeah. I was gonna say, like, Olympic champions big for sponsors, but like three world championships, like you can make good money off three world championships too. Yeah. So, but then it's it, but your Olympic. This is what this is. This is the other thing, though. You're Olympic champion forever. You're not world champion forever. And so then, yeah. No, I still go with the world championships because the Olympics is. Um, it's not even that special anyway, is it? The Olympics. Pretty rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> it's a small little tournament. <laughs> well, actually, yeah. I, compared to other sports, like I don't think it's as big and like it is big in BMX. Of course, people fucking yeah. calm, calm down, people, when you hear this. But my point being yeah. is, like BMX, we have so many different titles and races, whereas other sports, like shot put, or like yeah. other sports, like they just train for the Olympics or like bobsled. Whereas BMX, yeah. we have so many, I don't know, titles and races that. It is a huge deal, of course, but others, it's not like the end-all, be-all of careers like other sports are, is my point. Yeah, I think, yeah, 100%. Like, and if you look at our Olympic champions who have won, like with Maris and Mariana, I think like they've been world, like they've just, yeah, I, I think, I'm going to be careful what I say, but it, I just, yeah, I do think, um, I was going to say like with Connor, he won the world uh, the Olympics, but it's like, yeah, I think, I always think of the world champion is been better than Connor. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, edit I, I that know, bit out. I know what you mean. Or <laughs> Do like, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I know what you mean. Or if you look at like 
Joris or Liam. Like if Joris doesn't win a yeah. gold medal, they're still going to be like two of the all timers. So you, you don't. Yeah. That, this is what I'm trying to yeah, say. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. You don't think of Joris yeah. or Liam like, oh, they didn't win Olympic gold. It's like, well, who cares? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. We got, we got any more James? I, I, we have some more in the, in the bank here. Yeah. We got, we got, here's the thing. We got the one we usually ask the guys. We haven't asked the woman, the, the one we don't, don't usually ask women. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's All, right. This one? <laughs> All right. The question is, would you rather, yeah. well, we got to pick a track tour. Pick, give me a track. Uh, 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 Chula Vista. Chula Vista. Okay. We'll do the Chula mm -hmm. Vista Beijing. Would you rather do a full lap on the Chula Vista Beijing yeah. with your long seat post in? Oh no no oh, wait wait hold up hold up hold up hold up, do it like do it the way what about the one the way Vincent asked it I think was better. What how did Vincent? He said it? no helmet. So basically, oh. want to do that one? Yeah, go for it. Because the long Shoot. seat post is like no one's gonna do it with a long seat post. Nobody's yeah. gonna do that. That's so true. would you rather would you rather do a full <laughs> lap in Chile Beijing, full lap Chile yeah. Beijing, with wearing everything but your helmet or wearing just yeah. your helmet? Just my helmet and letting everything fly through. Wouldn't that be something? Like, <laughs> like oh, it's beautiful. Can you imagine? Think if, of the pictures. Think of the pictures you could get. Like, it'd be amazing. Those would be those would be ESPN <laughs> body issue. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, just, definitely with my helmet. Just don't tuck the front yeah. in the first corner. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll be following the chalk line nice and smooth. And we were saying the most awkward part would be like the pause before the beeps. You're like, yep. Oh, I'm yeah. Naked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but like, so yeah, I'll, I'll go with the helmet. You can't do one without a helmet because you could literally die. Yeah, no, like, no, and I just wouldn't, it couldn't go right. Yeah, no, it just wouldn't feel right. Or but it would feel obviously right with no clothes on, of course. <laughs> James, <laughs> James, can you imagine like if it was on that Chula, the new Chula track, how fast we're going out of the first corner without a helmet? Like that'd just be suicidal. That'd be ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be that'd be insane. You're you're also mm -hmm. going that fast naked though. Your junk would just be flat. Yeah, around. it would be. It'd be so. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you'd have to just. You'd have to just be, you'd have to just try and be so razor focused, like just get in the zone. I'd have to just, just headphones in before the lap. Just no one talk to me. <laughs> no one talk to me because I know I'm going to start laughing if they do. I think, Tori, next time you go to the States, you should actually go down and do it. But content, you're a content guy. God, the content, <laughs> that content would be, would just be so good. Yeah, I think you should do it. Uh, we might, we you might want, have to. Want to blow up? Yeah. I'm going to need some donations. Let me start a GoFundMe for this one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, that'd be epic. Oh, my gosh. We, we got any more, James, or are we capped? I think that's uh, that's that's the regulars, yeah. Shanae, thanks so much for coming on. It was awesome to talk to you and hear your story. It was uh, it was very, it was, it was really fascinating. Thanks for, thanks for sharing all the stuff you went through, went through. Uh, no, thank you for having me on, and I look forward to seeing you all soon. Yeah, hopefully we see yeah. you soon. Yeah, and stay safe, guys. Hope everything goes well. Thanks, you too. Will do. Thanks, Shanae. See you, Shanae. Take care. Bye. 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 Great show. Great guest. Wow, her story is incredible. Yeah, really is. First of all, there is so much I didn't know about her background. For sure. I was one of those people who I never really knew her because I was a little bit younger. I just knew her from her results that I saw. So to hear some of that, those background stories, what she went through, wow, she's so tough. Yeah, I think she's like four years older than me. So I obviously, 
like when I was younger, I watched her race and stuff and then mm-hmm. watched her race in junior and elite and everything. And then you see her win and like everything. And then I had heard like she was, um, those years she said she developed, you know, fear of the first jump or whatever. I'd kind of heard, heard that from some people, but obviously you don't know the extent and whatever. And from the outside, it's, it's always easy to see from the outside, but you don't know what something, what someone's going through. Oh, exactly. Right. Like you have no idea what's going inside their brain. No, exactly. So that was, that was awesome of her to, to share as well. Mm-hmm. I think honestly, it's, it's cool when people open up about that kind of thing because there's going to be other people that go through these kind of situations and these kind of stories can help other people. Oh, 100%. Everyone goes through their through their struggles of some sort. Yeah. And very, I did think it was... I was going to say very inspiring. Very inspiring story. Yeah, it really was, yeah. Uh, I thought it was really cool how even though she went through these struggles, like talking about just the first jump and what she believes the support should be, that she still thinks and believes or understands that Supercross is Supercross. It's the pinnacle of the sport. It should be the gap jump. It should be big. It should be dangerous and whatnot. Hundred percent. That's the pinnacle. That's the best of the best. Should only be able to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of respect for her for you know going through the struggles and having the strength to get help and um, come through the other side. And I think people listening, if you know, it's it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. 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 Everyone does. Totally. I love that and show. About- that was great. Yeah, seriously. I was gonna say, how about us not even realizing? Because obviously, I know her for BMX, not for track. How about her winning two track titles the same two years she won the world championship BMX titles? Very impressive, hey? Yeah, didn't know that. Thought that was really cool. Very impressive. So, yeah, outstanding yeah. athlete. Like just, just a beast of an athlete. Yep, that's for sure. Yeah. Right on. Awesome. Well, you know what? Great show. Great show. Round of applause again. Um, fantastic. Yeah. Really good. Really good. Uh, anything else before we wrap this, wrap this thing up? Now what we got coming up next? Fuck. Not much. Eh? Gonna, we're going to play yeah. some golf tomorrow. Weird. Yeah. About, about time. I haven't played golf for a while. I'll I tell you to, to... So I had to have an intervention with myself, like beginning of last week, I think it was. Yeah. I basically, I played too much golf. I got really tired from training and I had to like, <laughs> I had to basically tell myself, like, okay, we need to cut it back. Like, you're getting a little too excessive here with this whole quarantine, do what you want kind of deal. <laughs> but yes and no. I mean, it is good to take a break, and there wasn't any races coming up. So, I mean. It was good at the time, yeah. but then I, start, I started to feel like I was too much one way. And I was, yeah, was, I think I already, maybe I even already talked about this. I don't know, but it's just been on my mind still. Well, that's, that's actually good then, because you probably got a good break and started to miss it and feel guilty. So, you probably have a renewed motivation. So, it actually was perfect. True. That's yeah. the way you should feel after a break. Um, one of the really smart sport physiologists I worked with, I don't know, years ago with PH, he's like, mm-hmm. when you take time off, you should get to the point where like you're starting to feel anxious and a bit like guilty or stressed that you're not training. That's when you should start getting back to training. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that, that makes, makes sense. Yeah. So that's that probably perfect timing then. Mm-hmm. So what, what do we well, think? What are we thinking now? What's the, what's the limit for your golf rounds per week? Uh, I'm giving it like, because I'm still, I still get tired from the golf and trying to train, but I'm a little more okay with it right now. So I'm giving it like two rounds per week, but I'm doing like some more practice at the range now. Like I was at the range yesterday cause I wasn't had, had nothing to do in the afternoon and I was hitting bombs. <laughs> I'm like, talking I'm just bombs. I'm telling you like my, I, my, my long iron game is terrible. I still don't understand why I'm not comfortable with the long irons. But you put a, a short wedge or you put the driver in my hand, you want a high cut, 
or a high slice, I got you. You want a straight bomb? <laughs> no worries. You want a slight draw? <laughs> Just put me up to the plate. Let me swing. I got you. You want to start hitting your long irons better? When you ever hit long irons off the tee, just don't use a tee. I got to stop. Yeah. That's, I got in the habit of putting it too high and worrying about it being teed up. And, yeah. Anyone can hit them off the tee, but that's what I started doing. Just not using tees like the last month and I can hit them like pretty religiously. That's good. It really helps. Yep. Yep. It's a feeling comfortable. Um, so. We don't have our guest for next week yet, do we? We don't. No, it's still an unknown. We've had some options. We've had some pe- guests that we've wanted to get on in the past, but they haven't been available. So maybe we try to get one of them on. I'm going to text. We tried getting Bubba before you tried getting him. He, he was like responding and then not. So I'm going to try and get Bubba on next week. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. He's a family guy, so it's tough, but yeah. it would be an absolute banger. It would well. be. All right. Thanks for uh, for listening, people. Thanks, ProGate Europe. Sinead's one with many good gates. Winning yeah, starts a great gate. Motorsheets.com. You guys know if you need a timing system made easy, go to motorsheets.com, guys. All Thanks right. to them coming on board. Thanks to everybody for listening. You know what? We'll see you next week, people. Have a good one. Later, Here. guys. Hit it hard. Yeah, well, what's this friggin' podcast all about? I don't get it, man. Coffee chatter? I hate that guy. <laughs>